Welcome to Different Spokes Podcast. My name is Matt Smith. Today's episode is about BMX bike frames. The original thoughts of this podcast stems from being frustrated trying to buy a frame a few years ago. Um, we do go through all the different frame stats. We try to explain the best we can the differences between them. And it's me, Matt Lawhead, and Shyla Stanich. So you got three different ages, two different riding generations basically. And uh, we try and give you our input. Um, if anything, I, I am hoping that this can be like a shopping guide to some people or help uncover new information for people that never knew about. Um, either way, let me know what you guys think. We tried to do as much as we could and just tried to be helpful, really. we At the end of it, well, we do talk about our personal preferences and why we picked what we picked. So there's a lot of information packed into this podcast. I hope you guys like it. Here it is. All right, we got no sizzle. We're good. Let's do this thing. Let's do it. The what? frame cast. Yeah. One thing I wanted to start off with was the articles I used to write on the Yeah. The Yeah was like a website that I, I used to post a lot of shit. And I, I used to write articles about different things and... I wrote an article that never came out and it was about buying a new frame because at the time the frame I wanted didn't even exist and I was so like appalled that by that that I was like I need to I need to just show everybody what the fuck's going on because this is kind of annoying that what I want didn't even exist yet so like I did like a Venn diagram of like all the all the all the frames that exist to have this short back end all the frames that have this high bottom bracket and all the frames that had this wishbone and there was like only one frame that met all three of those criteria and what was it it was a sabrosa frame i think it was the lashon the lashon kobza frame was like the only frame that met all my criteria but then it didn't have like one back then when i was thinking about frames i wasn't thinking about chain tensioners because it was too hard to expect that from yeah, good point. All the different frames. Chain tensioners are definitely like, they're not recent by any means, but like. For catching on right. in general, it's like not everybody's still catching on. Seeing them as often as you do now is definitely like more common. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's where this podcast stems from is me being disgruntled about that and then me uh, sharing that information with you, Lawhead. Lawhead's here. Say what's up. What's up? Matt Lawhead doing the frame cast. Yeah, so I shared the information with him. He's looking for very specific stuff as well. And he kind of was a... I think when you're in the game so long, you find out exactly what you want. And then you try to pin down those specs. But then, like I know for me, I want to run a certain company's name that I, I like their content. You know, I like their team. Uh, whatever. Yeah. So you kind of want to find this like perfect collaboration of specs, image, you know, all that good stuff. And uh, it does take a little bit of time. You know, it's not something you can just do right away. It's worth doing the research. And one thing I think that was kind of like bred into you as a bike rider was to buy American, buy local, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It makes sense. Like you, you do want, you do care where your money goes. Like I bought FBM frames because I really cared about have like about buying an American-made thing, 
that was also, you know, semi-local. Oh, that, yeah. All yeah. that shit. Yeah, I totally agree. I could find a frame that has every possible spec, you know, all the geometry that I want, all the features. And honestly, if I don't like the rider, like, I wouldn't give my money to that company or that person, even if it was the frame I wanted. Because um, I get that these guys, like, it's kind of their livelihood, and you want to put your money behind things that you feel strongly about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Um... So let's let's get into where um, into the intro of the frame designs. We can talk about the old. I don't want to say wonky, but like some crazy <clears throat> some crazy shit of the past. Oh we yeah, wanted to talk about real quick. Yeah, I think all of us were present for like the weight whore era where frames were having wild stuff. You know, you had the the Grim Reaper frame with big holes in the head tube and. It all that, holes. all that stuff. You know, you had the silencer bars. You had just different things that had weird features for the, the si- sake of saving weight. The silencer bars were handlebar, two-piece handlebars that had holes drilled in the crossbar, yes. so it looked like a silencer. Yeah, I thought those were the holy crossbars. Maybe I think they were called the silent. They were the stolen silencer bars. I, I think, think stolen made a pair. And Colony made a pair. Jake's. There was one of them was Jake Seeley's signature at one you point. Sure? I swore a coalition. Oh, that far maybe, back! Yeah, wow, maybe that's what it was, dude. Yeah, the weight weenie stuff has been going on for a long time. Yeah, because dude. when I was getting into bike riding, it was the heavy duty shit was just full swing. Like, remember the DK SOB frame, the Colin Winkleman frame? Ooh, that that may have been before my time. Like that yeah, might have been before I me. Don't recall that. That was like the that was the first frame I saw in person. Where like you saw an aftermarket frame in person, and it was like <gasps> that. It was just so huge. Like, it had double wishbone, but the wishbone was huge. Like, we got to pull it up then and show you, but it's gnarly. And um, just everything was heavy. Eastern used to... Okay, we were talking about the Eastern Grim Reaper frame. Right. Eastern used to be known for having heavy frames. Eastern made a frame called the Hercules. It weighed 10 pounds. Oh, my the, God. The top tube and the down tube pierced the head tube. So, almost like... Oh, yeah, I know the design you mean. It almost yeah. looked like a Foo Snowman in yeah. 3D4 yeah. on the front. Yeah. What? Yeah. You have to be a gorilla to be able to ride a bike like and, that, dude. Well, the technology was, was that's what it was back then. Like, yeah, every bike was heavy, and you right. were trying to build the sturdiest project or product to not break. Yeah, because you were, you were liable to bend an axle on your first feeble grind. Like, that's how weird shit was back then. 14 millimeter was just catching on. There was, the side note, just a little, there's a company called GAC, G-A-C-K. They invented the 14 millimeter axle. Really? GAC made frames to, to match the axle. And I remember there was like a GAC cannibal frame and the, the text looked like cannibal corpse. <laughs> I used to want that frame real bad. Like, um, There was a lot of really overbuilt frames back in the day. There was another company called like Four Bikes. Mm-hmm. And their frame was called the Battletech. Like, Battletech. Dude, I've never heard of any of these frames. That voice you hear, guys, is Shiloh. We didn't introduce him yet. What Shiloh. up? I'm Shiloh. Uh, I'm just kind of here as a general, you know. I think Shiloh just undersold himself, and I think that Shiloh's a great... He's here for a reason. He's here as, like, the youthful insight. You know, Matt and I are both... I'm in my late 20s, Matt's in his early 30s. Then you have the young gun Shiloh that 
23 may not remember all this old stuff but he has like a modern younger writer's insight into what they want in a frame mm -hmm. and uh how he how he rides you know Shiloh's doing a little bit bigger stuff than me and Matt so he may have different needs and he's also more tech yeah he has more needs than we need um so I think what he has to say will be helpful you know yeah. it'll kind of contrast what Matt and I have to say uh so recently also Matt's going to talk about the frame that he purchased and uh I had talked to Matt and talked him into getting 21 inch top tube and uh oh yeah we're going to get into it sorry yeah yeah so we'll get into that the the differences between all that so yeah and that's that's where I have these stats out then so do you want to talk any more about old frames do you want to talk about the Mike Escamilla frame dude okay so I just got to look at the Mike Escamilla yeah. frame I forgot about it but it has the crazy down tube that goes under the bottom bracket and it's welded in two spots, like like legs to it. Like a whole tube underneath. surpassing the bottom bracket. Yeah, that completely goes, and like the bottom bracket almost, it like free sits over top of like that belly underneath that down tube, of yeah. the down tube, which is ridiculous. Crazy shit. Yeah, dude, and it's like, what did that save, really? Like, what did that... I mean, it might have saved your bottom bracket and all, but, like, I feel like if you dropped in on, like, a pretty vert quarter pipe, you would... Smack, that thing would bash into the... I uh, think that's what they did, is they bolted a guard to that that down piece. Because I remember seeing old footage of Mike Escamilla. So Mike Escamilla, he had... Do you remember... that? Now we're, we're forwarding into the future here. Fly had a Reuben piece that bolted to your bottom bracket yep i just looked at that as well it, that's like the newer version of the mike escamilla mike he had an old old school style where it was like super big mm -hmm. and it was also protecting like a 44 tooth sprocket <laughs> yeah that's a good point too <laughs> yeah. that that coincided with a much larger sprocket than nowadays you understand like when i i think maybe when law had started riding too like with a I would watch people like ride jump boxes and they would um like roll in on the lip to go and come back and jump right yeah and then i'd see somebody that didn't know what they were doing myself included 44 45 2 sprocket go to just roll in on a lip <laughs> like try and actually roll in where you like you roll along the coping and then right. go in but it's a box jump lip yeah good there's point. no coping to slip off of. you just right. roll in catch your sprocket flip go right face first to the ground like yep. Like for a little for a limited time, it was sketchy to just even like because I I was a beginner, I didn't understand you had to hop in into the training yeah or you'd see somebody rolling but they knew how to roll in where it didn't matter. So then once sprockets got small, it, I'd see like dumb kids just ride straight over yeah. really steep shit and I'm like, you have no idea. Right, dude. You would clip a sprocket and flip. I remember the first time like. I seen a sprocket that was under like 40 some odd teeth and it was like like lawhead and them's bikes when I was like 13 years old and then my brother bought like a Verde complete and I was like and like that was the definition of like what a BMX bike was it wasn't that like like the parts on it was just that like you had the smaller sprocket like if you had a smaller sprocket you immediately rode 
freestyle BMX to me. Like, yeah, that's it was like a status thing after yeah. after a while. Because like if you had like a big old dumb looking dinner plate sprocket, I'd be like, okay, like you're not like actually yeah. about riding anymore. Yeah, like, it would right. it would be a solid sprocket with no machining. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. So so just for the sake of putting some numbers out there, I started riding in 2004, and I started with a 39 tooth sprocket. And like I re- I remember really gradually going from 39 to 36 to 33. I don't know if I skipped 30. I ran 28 for a long time, mm-hmm. and then I'm at 25 now. Like the rest of the BMX world, you know, the majority of the BMX world. Dude. Um. So yeah, it was like a gradual like. I don't know if it was a decade, but I mean it was like it a took- long thing. And uh, frames had to be built around that size sprocket because you couldn't run that now with modern geometry. You know, yeah. you would hit. Can you imagine running like it? A it would hit your frame. It would hit your chain stay. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't run that big of a sprocket. The back ends had to be that long to compensate for that length of a <clears> yeah. sprocket. Would practically be longer than the crank arm. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? That's like, wild. It's wild yeah. to think about. Now, while we're on the subject of sprockets, I, I feel like I'll just tell my little side of, of what you just said. Um, I had. A forty-three tooth. I, <gasps> I, I, I oh, wrote, like now. My, what year was this? I started riding bikes in '99. <clears throat> okay. I I had a Gary Fisher bike that was like, it looked like someone stole it and tagged it, but that's how it came. Like it was like spots of blue and white and shit. But um, it came with a forty-four tooth. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I immediately started fucking up people grinds and, and needing a new sprocket. There was a company that called Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a neighbor vacuuming or something. No, somebody oh, cutting wood outside. Oh, word. Yeah, 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 I, can word. Outside. I was like, okay. Okay, so it was Arsenal Sprocket. It was like, oh yeah, it's aluminum. It had a guard on it. A nylon guard. Dude, this was in like year 2000. 2001. I was like just learning Feeble Grinds, this company. I was like, fuck yeah. So I was like... I kept just blowing my sprocket my chain apart because I was right foot forward. And that was like a real struggle at that point because it was like you were bound to sl- slide out and or like especially when you were first learning how to hop up on stuff, you would miss your peg. So what you're saying is back then you only had right-hand drive. Wheels. Yeah, right-hand drive. So you drive. had to run your sprocket on your wrong side. Wrong side. Yeah. Like left hand drive yeah. was like not quite coming out yet. I yeah. was just about to ask. I was literally just about to ask. Like, so when did left hand drive I, become a thing? Yeah, shallow was like after these problems. But like, yeah. I remember that where if yeah. you wrote like if that was your non dominant side or your dominant side, but not with the rest of the BMX world, you had an issue. Like you were landing on that shit. You had a hard time. Yeah. And when companies did start to offer the opposite opposite side drive, like. You had two companies. Like, you had two choices of hub to go yeah. with before everybody really got behind yeah. offering both sides. So, uh, just to so, say where I was at in this whole, you know, where I started, I had begun at um, 25 tooth and 28 tooth being, like, my two options. and That shit I, already existed for yeah, you. Yeah, that shit already existed, dude. Um, the thing was, like, I did ride bikes before that, and I... But I didn't know anything about bikes before that, so like back then I wouldn't I wouldn't know that my sprocket was big. You know what I mean? I, I like wouldn't go to say that like oh my sprocket is big, but um because uh-huh. that was when yeah, I was like, a better. dumb kid that didn't know any better. Because uh-huh. like dude, I, real rap, I bent my sprocket the one time and threw the whole bike out. <laughs> I swear to God, because like I didn't know any. It was a sixteen inch 
Haro complete and like damn I, it was I, a Haro too yeah dude I swear to God baby blue Haro complete wow. and like my dumb ass like I was like oh I broke it and like I left it I fucking gave it away like it just fucking that damn. was it that's but crazy that like you know fast forward like I know everything about bugs like I know like you know I can like pinpoint the the length of things and stuff like that but yeah yeah dude back then i thought you broke a part you threw it out you i didn't know you could go <laughs> online and buy more parts yeah like i was and like i didn't okay so i didn't have a dad to teach me that either we'll save that one for the shiloh interview right? yeah yeah that, that, was, that dude was, that's gonna be the four hour long podcast Who's, I mean, that's gonna be a wild i'm excited podcast for when we do that um i I don't think we touched on it yet, but we're reshooting this podcast right now. The first version of this, we had some uh, mic issues. Technical uh, Matt, difficulties. Technical difficulties. Matt Smith was at his house. Shala was at his house. I was at my house. And uh, I think between like just technology and electronics, I have really awful Wi-Fi at my house. Um, once we listened to the fit, like the the recorded product, um, we determined that. It was really poor quality, and uh, we've also uh, taken some time to edit the content and focus what we want to talk about. We kind of let out, left out some things that we're not going to harp on this time. We're going to try to stay a little more focused. We're not going to go on sprocket rants. Uh, we're going to focus on frame, <laughs> yeah. frame geometry. I wanted to, I wanted to bring it back because we were talking about uh, sprockets. And, Obviously, and that does have to do with frame geometry yeah, it because it's going to. That's yeah. that's what dictated frames and it also helps for Shiloh to understand like for me for me as a right foot forward it's not like because I'm a right foot forward rider I was uh oppressed right <laughs> but, but you were though but technically Back then, you yeah, were yeah because like that's why I'm so crazy about my bike setup now is cuz at one point when I first started riding I literally could only you ride didn't have the choice these things your bike, like these you know? crappy things that just had to dude I had a I uh I went to a smaller drive. Okay, I got the Arsenal sprocket, and I got a Ditka freewheel. Ditka had <laughs> freewheels had pawls, and they had like yeah. one pawl, two pawl, three pawl, four pawl, and I think the Ditka had two or three. And I ice picked on it. I accidentally landed completely on it and ice picked on it. And one ice pick, freewheel busted. Damn. And that's tough. Yeah, and then because then you got to get a free wheel remover. Oh my You're, god! Have yeah. you ever taken off a fucking free wheel, dude? I no. I'm sorry, I'm getting triggered. That's to me, that's the most like to put it on cranks sucks. But removing free wheels, you would have to put your wheel on a vice, and you have to, shit was slipping. You have to hold it down. I don't even know that struggle. <laughs> I think I was even after free wheels because a free wheel is a like a little kid's pedal brake. You're right. Bike. No. Right. No. No. But I mean, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, it doesn't engage when you go backwards. Isn't that what a free wheel is? That's a free coaster. That's a pedal brake. People, kids. See, I, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not even sure what it is because I came into the game with only Dude, regular cassettes. This is primarily. Sick. This is a. This will be a cool little little uh, history lesson. I know we're gonna gonna get in the frames, but this this is pretty sick because it also has to do with like that past shit. Um, the pedal brake, pedal pressure brake, little kids wheels. Mm -hmm. You could modify into free coasters right mm -hmm. which was so sick so you could trick out like a little 12 inch kids bike into mm -hmm. a little free coaster and so 
when I first started riding BMX, my 20 inch felt too heavy. So I went back down to my like my 16 inch bike and I put pegs on it. I put a straight cable on it. I made it look like a miniature little bike That's... before they made miniature bikes right. like that. And I used to dick around because I was stupid. But my point is going back to the arsenal sprocket with the nylon guard. Arsenal was ahead of their time with the with the fucking guard. Oh yeah, look at things now. Yeah, they're, they're back to the nylon guards. Yeah, Kink Kink even had a guard back then. But my point is, I had the fucking m- motorbike chain. Also, dude, I had a sprocket with a nylon guard, and I had the three sixteenths chain. Jesus Christ! With the three sixteenths, you had to get a you had to the get wild plates. Yeah, you had to get a special freewheel for the fat chains. Oh yeah, it was okay. called like the ACS like fat tooth or something like that. And that was like how you did your shit for probably two years before cassettes came out. Cassettes came out, well, cassettes existed in racing already, but no one was taking it to bike riding yet because they had to re. I know we're gonna get to frames, but this I'm bl- I feel like I'm blowing your guys' minds here a little bit. Yeah, I don't even know what you're talking about at this point. <laughs> cassettes. No, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm just saying, like, I've never heard, like, I didn't know that there was a point before cassettes. Yeah. In you know, like there was a shittier thing than a cassette. Right. I didn't know that. Like there that was, was even a shittier cassette. Dude, like, okay, so like my my thought process on BMX bikes was like, like the guys on the big bicycle that has like the big like the one big wheel and the one little back wheel, and then like the '90s BMX bike and yeah. then my bike, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's like all I got. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't have any. Any more knowledge of like eras of bike, mm-hmm. if that makes you know what I mean. Like, okay, let me get let me just this will be the last little step before we bring it up to where where we go here. I just want to I'll just finish off the hub thing with cassettes. Mm-hmm. So early early cassettes they were oddest they were racing ones converted into BMX ones. So in racing they would swap out gears. So the way that your hub worked is like there was a little lock ring and you could slide. Yeah. Yep. I do know what you're talking about. That, yeah. Put it, right. It's almost like a washer, but it had your teeth on it. Mm-hmm. You tighten that up and then, then that's how you did it. So I would always see those in the dance comp magazine and be like, what the hell is that? Oh, I guess it's racing stuff. Like I didn't know yeah. what it was, yeah. but I, I, I know what you mean now. And then they tried to get the driver smaller and smaller, and then they had, then they realized they had to do. It was like, oh, one piece driver. I, I remember that, and that was a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So one like, piece driver. Yeah, dude. What? Dude, I had a demolition hub. It was like called the bulimia hub. Yep. Where the left axle, the left side of the axle was was reverse threaded. So, Stop. dude, blowing minds. This is like a conspiracy podcast. Dude, like, what? yeah, okay. It, the left side was reverse threaded, so that way, if you were left side peg, it didn't come loose when you grinded. Boom. Yeah. Somebody else, I remember Nick Hauser had a wheel like that when I rode with him, and I don't know if it was Shadow or who it was, but yeah, you had to be ready to like tighten it down because he rode your footed, whatever you call that. Um, right foot. Right foot, and uh, we always like I'd work on his bike and be like, "What the hell is this?" And it, he had that, so I, I know what you're talking about. On top of that, one one last little icing on the cake, aluminum driver. It was a 7075 aluminum driver. I rode this back hub for years. That was the last hub I rode before the hub I'm riding now. Wow. I didn't know that they made aluminum parts for bikes. 
Yo, yeah. Well, well like, it was like an experiment. It was like a thing. So I, I, I think I rode that for like five years. So I've heard of like titanium frames. I've heard of like, I mean, we had chromoly frames, you know what I mean? But like, yeah, dude, putting a, I mean, other than like pegs, <clears throat> yeah, like it inserts, was... like for a peg. Yeah. Aluminum should, I feel like, should never be used on a bike. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, it was a sketchy thing to do. Component parts. Right. Yeah. So I rode it for five <clears throat> years. That, that, that bitch looked like a ninja star. It did not look like a driver anymore. Right, yep. right. But but it never fucked up. Like the hub was like still good. I was just like, here's here's how my hub got demolished. I went and I did a downside ice pick on a quarter pipe, and somehow when I did it, my left axle nut cracked. Mm. Even though I'm right, my I'm right pegged. It cracked at a skate park. Okay, there is no replacement bolt for that. Like I can't just go into the shop and be like, yo, you got a bulimia left nut. Right. <laughs> so I need a new left nut. I need a new left nut. Yeah, so like I think it was like John Quartz, one of the Quartz brothers. Yeah. Helped me out, dude. That I was like at a East Coast terminal and I was just a, a young kid and kinda scared to talk to anybody. And those dudes just came over and like, What's up, man? Like, oh fuck, you busted that? Like I might I might have something, like pull something out of his trunk, like super friendly. Like that was like my first experience with just a random BMX person being super cool. But um, anyway, so that's how that's how gnarly bike shit could was yeah. at one point. So right, yeah, that's why frames were so crazy heavy back in the day, and then that ties in with sprocket size. Kind of uh, went hand in hand with what was possible with a frame. Like a modern frame geometry wouldn't be possible with an old older size sprocket with more yeah. teeth. Because I know. We're going to touch on crank arm length mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I don't know about, I don't know if I can speak for the entire BMX world, entire BMX industry, but I used to run longer cranks. Like I ran 180s and I'm not even a tall dude, but uh, I ran the 180s and that coincided with the length of my back end and we are going to harp on back ends getting shorter and crank arms getting shorter to prevent hitting your back foot. Mm -hmm. on pegs and mm -hmm. kind of what that created you know was it the chicken or the egg that came first yeah what made what possible yeah and, uh i think that's an interesting topic what, what yeah. we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna go by stats we're gonna go by stats and then we're gonna talk about them okay like right. but um did you want to talk about those frames at all? <clears throat> Are we, what, uh, I'm sorry, Matt. I've struggled to read your handwriting. I don't. Actually. I don't know where it's gonna fall into the actual grand scheme of the the frame podcast. But um, one of the things we said in the last the trial run is that so many frames are so similar nowadays. You don't really see any uniqueness. You don't really see any uh, variety. So Matt and I sat down and we really racked our brains and we thought like, well, what frames are Different. We thought of the Mike Escamilla frame with the bash guard tube. Um, it's not as recent of a frame. We talked about the was it the Garrett, Garrett Burns T1 frame had the extra pieces on the chainstay mm -hmm. for pedal grinds. And then you know we we kind of briefly said I think it was Sabrosa came out with a dual top tube, um, which is a throwback to an old Haro bike. Exactly. And I'm sure there's other examples that people could think of that we might not think of off the top of our head. But for the, the most part... What was the frame? What was the frame with the... Oh, oh! Bracket. 
Well, no, we talked about two. we talked about the Killerado. The Killerado, yeah, we'll bring yeah, it up again yeah. later. Too. Yeah, that was I don't know how many years back, but that was practically the non-existent seat tube where you you had no space in between your top tube and your down tube. Best bike, um, scooter scooter bike. You can whip it. it was yeah, best, it was the best whip bike. Yeah, but it, it's interesting now because you see companies they'll they'll build a frame and put it up for sale. And in the, in the description, it'll say something like true BMX geometry. And you know they're referencing a more traditional geometry, or you'll see like modern street geometry, and you know they're saying something steeper, more aggressive. And uh, I think those are practically the only two categories you have are companies trying to retain a little bit longer back end, a little bit more traditional triangle. And then you have the companies that are pushing their hyper modern frame pushing the boundaries of what angle, you know, can you run a 77 head to, you know, can you, can you do that? You know, you have the, uh, the Godwin frame. I don't know what the exact specs are. We looked them up before, but it's like 76, you know, it's something really aggressive. Um, yeah. And, uh, I'm not sure like how deep we want to put this in the podcast, but we were saying, um, where do you, you know, how do you determine how far companies go with measurements? Like how far are they going to keep pushing these angles? You know, do you push them until people stop buying them? Do you push them uh, based on what your rider's needs are? Um, we kind of did say, uh, how do you determine frame geometry? Is it what a rider knows they want or they have a trick in mind and they're not able to land it? Mm-hmm. So they want to modify their frame and add that extra degree or whatever to make it possible. Yeah. That was kind of a long-winded rant, but it's just stuff I want to get out there, want to get on the table Yeah, uh, about what's important in frame evolution. Um, it kind of reflects what we run. Like, we've been in the game for so long. We know what we want. Um, but yeah. you also, you only have so much available Unless you want to drop 500 on a custom frame. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to say about the custom frames was like, I don't think I said it in the, in the first tri- trial run, was like, I don't, I would like to think that I'm not that important that I need a $500 frame. But I, I just kind of feel like, I feel like I should be able to find something within the general market. I feel like I should not be so needy in which to need a custom frame. I agree and I disagree. Like I know where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I break down the cost of a frame based on the amount of time I'm going to have it. Um, granted, yeah. like my last right. frame I got for free, but I've had it for six years. So if you have a frame that's $350 and you run it for only a year, you only spend a dollar a day. Mm-hmm. You know, you run that frame for four years, you only spent 25 cents a day. So when you put it into that perspective, it's 500 really that much to get exactly what you right, want. Right. If it's going to last, you know, if that lasts five years, I don't know if that is the case for everybody. That's yeah. 30 cents a day. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> How long do you plan on, on running? How rough are you on frames? You know, right. if you're not doing roof drops, if you're not doing crank arms where you dent your down right. tube. Yeah. If if you know you're not going to beat a frame up, it might be worth it. You know, or if you're if you're kind of late in the game, if you're late 20s, early 30s, it might be your last frame. So, you know, invest yeah. the money in exactly what you want. The my past 3 frames I thought were going to be my last 3 my last frame. 
And I had a lot of those moments where I was <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to be done after this. Like, I'm not going to get another one. Yeah, exactly. You know yeah. And then, you know, now, now I'm in the market for a new one and it's exciting. You know? Yo, you know what's tight? I, uh, I can't remember whose podcast I was just listening to, but it was like, they were like older guys and they were like, oh yeah, what, I think it was um, uh, the Zach Erber podcast where he was saying how like, <clears throat> like... I thought this was gonna be my last year, and then like I keep going, and next right. thing you know, it's like I'm not done. Yeah, like, Hinkins, still, Hinkins yeah, said that, and he's and it's still good. And, like I'm still all right, and that like Hell that's yeah. cool to hear. Like because yeah. you guys are like those people that they were like kind of talking yeah. about. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like the and that's like that's super cool that like mm-hmm. you guys are still down to buy like a new frame. You know what I mean? Like you're still looking to buy a new frame. You're not yeah. like out of the game totally I'm not like so salty that I'm, I'm gonna ride this shit fuck, fuck yeah I'm gonna ride till the wheels fall off like, fuck, fuck all that new shit fuck it yeah. yeah yeah. I gotta say major shout out a big influence for this podcast was Mike at Imprimatur interviewing Zach Gerber that was extremely insightful like I was you know without being too uh, you know over the top that was so insightful like it really gave me a lot to think about and I really really connected with that like that was huge what Zach said about put your money where your faith is and where you know what you want to do mm-hmm. and companies need to do that you know companies need to somewhat cater to the guys that have been in the game forever and uh you know spend your money where you you know with what you're passionate about and I think that's mm-hmm. really important <clears throat> right I dig it all right so now we're going to get into uh, the, the 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 design specs of the frame I just wanted to shout out the angel of death frame the FBM angel of death frame it was the first frame FBM ever made it had dual wishbone it was the butcher frame so it had wishbone bottom and top but the top one was like pierced so it looked like one big tube I wanted to bring this out because there's at one point there was like two geometries double wishbone or like no wishbone where it was like a frame mm-hmm. but at one point it was either a wishbone or a frame there was no fancy shit Okay, and one of the reasons that we're gonna go through this is, or one of the reasons that I'm so charged up for doing this podcast is like, at one point you couldn't be so custom with your shit. So now like, I'm excited. I'm more charged up than ever to have a bike because my customizations are way more open. Yeah, so I'm the like, possibilities. You like, have a lot more to work with. Like I've, it's everything's develops so much that it gets you excited because you're like oh fuck they make like flesh mount kits for cranks now like at one point there wasn't flesh mount you had a fucking straight up bolt there like everything everything just looks so much nicer nowadays a lot of stuff is a lot cleaner yeah like the lines are you know what I mean and it's so much easier to work on like when you think about when you were younger what you went through to work on a certain part of your bike was extreme you know, extreme. Like, you're asking your dad for, like, wild tools. Like, hey, dad, where's that saw at? You know, like, <laughs> trying to work on your bike. And now it's like, oh, give me my 6, give me my 8, give me my 17. Oh, my bike's done in two seconds. Yeah. It's just Yo, so dude, much better I than it used know. to be. I don't, rem- I don't, like, I can't recall the day. You know what I mean? Like, that yeah. happened. But, like, I know, like, a lot of my life, like, Lawhead was working on my bike. And, dude... I feel like putting a chain together and like putting my bike together after like it all broke apart like after I did like snap a frame and I had to put like a new one together yeah you'd like pull it all apart right and like 
bearings fall like all the ball bearings. Oh, yeah, like, you'd hear like all the ball bearings like, falling oh, out. Oh, shit, dude. Or your headset just falling apart. You're literally yeah. like popping bearings back into place, like just trying to throw enough grease in there that your shit will spin. And like, next thing you know, you're running around with like barely enough bearings in, so like your headset's just like, click, 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 click. Oh, yeah. Dude, I did mm-hmm. that for so long. And like, that was how I'd keep a bike running for like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, that was just like the janky shit you had to do before everything became like so universal everything got in tight. a sense. So, and that's, that's where our disposition is. Everything got really, really dialed and really nice, but there's still holes in the market. And that's why we're talking. Right. Basically. Yeah. We're like, fuck, like everybody's making shit nice, but there's people that are being forgotten about in, in, in spec geometry, but we're, we're breaking it down and we're, we're uncovering. Yeah. There yeah. is stuff to look at. And the three of us are going to be able to speak from specific different insights of where we're at with our frame happiness. Um, you know, our frame, like how frame penis. Yeah, exactly. Um, Shiloh Shiloh runs the Alex the BSD Alex frame he's V3. Ex- the V3 he's extremely happy with it uh, said he's never going to buy another frame unless it's another Alex you know V3 V4 whatever uh, Matt Smith just bought a new frame the BSD uh, uh, alright Chris yeah, Kyle but... Chris Kyle frame I don't know if I can say that sorry I wanted this podcast to be like more like a speculative like what are we going to okay well no no it I doesn't think, matter I think it's sick to have have Shiloh who is doesn't want to ever change his frame you who just changed your frame for these reasons and then me who i've run a frame for six years and i'm gonna buy a new frame and i think i know what i want to buy and like what i'm basing that choice on so we can speak about why shallow wouldn't make the choice why you did make the choice and why i'm going to make the choice so i think that's a good way to view the topic because i was so dead set on having this be about like a speculative like we're about to buy frames, what this is what we're considering. But you're right. It, it's it's better if if we have more facets of a diamond to share. Why yeah. not? Yeah. It's sick because the V two of this podcast, you can speak now on yeah. why you bought the frame. Where the V one, you were saying I'm gonna buy this frame. I'm still up in the air. I'm waiting till the frames drop at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Shiloh's still unchanged. Loves his frame. Yeah. So another thing is, just a heads up, I would run another frame with a similar geometry. Not that I wouldn't ever, like, go off the Alex frame, but yes, so far, Alex, the Alex frame... It's the best frame you've ever run. The best frame I've ever had as far as, like, the feeling of it. So, like, yes, that is, like, ultimately, the you know, the thing. I would run that geometry forever. Absolutely. So we're going to go, we're going to go spec by spec to the frames and we're going to talk about what those specs do nice and then yeah just so everybody knows what we're talking about so we know what we're talking about I don't know what half this stuff means so uh, I need a little update yeah um, I, I'm, I wanted to talk about it also because I didn't know everything I uncovered some shit that I don't know and I'm still clueless about that we'll eventually get to at the end of this so we're basically going from what we know to what we don't know right First up is top tube size. All of us, all three of us are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as you are, are like a kid riding somebody else's bike just to test it out, you'll recognize top tube size. Like you said to me earlier today, Lawhead, like, or Shiloh, like if you're over six foot tall, you probably ought to be on a 21. 
Yeah. Yeah, that, that was me that said that. I was a little surprised to hear that you hadn't run a 21 because of how tall you are. Yeah. Yeah, like you're definitely taller than me. And I remember, I remember Palumbo telling me years back, he was like, oh, you're this tall. You have to run at least a 75. So for you guys to both be over six foot, like I would think a 21 would be the minimum. Dude, yeah. I remember Germ getting a 27.5. And I was like, I was like, dude, that's probably perfect for you. I was like, I can't ride that though. Like mm-hmm. I knew like twenty seven five, and even when I got my Mac frame, that was a twenty point eight seven front end. That sounds like a nice front, nice. And it was a it was a really good front end. It was a thirteen two to thirteen five back end. Damn. It was a it was a pretty decent frame. I loved the frame, real uh, real shit. But like, I got a little taller on that frame, and that's when I started to realize that like. When I bunny hopped, I didn't have the room that I wanted. Like, I, I mm-hmm. couldn't extend my arms and tuck my knees as much as I, I felt I could if my bike wasn't in the way. Mm-hmm. So then I jumped to the 21 when I got the Alex frame. And I remember back in the day, our buddy Miles got the uh, Mutiny Lucifer frame. And he got a 21 front end and a shorter back end. And, like, as soon as I did it with the Alex frame, I, like, remembered... Mm-hmm. that frame and like what it felt like and I was like this was it like this was like when I would pull up to do a three I could like pull my front end up as hard as I want and then as soon as you tuck your legs in your bike would just come around with you mm-hmm. and it's just like that was it and I was like holy shit I found it yeah and like that was tight right now you guys <clears throat> both had me thinking like looking at how old you guys are like what does the average what length of time does the average BMX human go through trials and tribulations of dialing in what measurements they like for a frame. It probably takes that's, a while, like that's five years. That's an extensive journey. I mean, it's got to take more than five years because oh, yeah. I'm still on it. Some so, kids might quit riding before they figure out a good setup like. for them, and that's it. Well, and I guess what's available evolves as well because what we started out on, you can't buy now, mm-hmm. and we're changing what we like because new features and new dimensions have come out. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess the person's journey kind of coincides with what the industry offers. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I've been riding for 10 years now, and I just bought my Alex frame last year. So it took me nine years to find the geometry that fit me best. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There you go. Yeah. So that was an extensive amount of time. There was a lot of money spent. Okay. You know what I mean? We're talking about top two blanks here. Yeah. Now, I think the next... The next spec that you would un- come to understand after top tube length is head tube angle um back in the day almost every single frame was 74.5 there was trail frames that were 74 that was it and then for some reason or another they bumped it up a half degree and now everybody's on 75 and then that became the standard and now people are pushing it like pushing that yeah i agree that it it seemed, I could be wrong, it seemed like it paused at 75 for a while, and yeah. then certain fra- certain companies went to that 75.5. Mm-hmm. And then now you have the extreme of the Godwin frame, I forget the exact numbers, 76, 25, 76, whatever. 76.6, something like that. Yeah, I'm dead serious, whatever it is, but I know the, the Godwin frame is, it's surpassed 76. Dude, nose males probably feel ridiculous on that frame, dude. Like, you're... Your balance point would be so much low, like your back end could be so much lower, and like you could be like so much further over your bike and still feel comfortable in a nose. Like right, because you know you're not gonna flip just yet. Right, because like uh oh, oh sorry, that was my phone. 
Yep, that was totally yep. my phone. That's all right. Phone. We, we figured right. it out. Now we know that was quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. can't have phones on the table while recording. Yeah, but um, yeah, I would say like again back to the head tube angle. Like the head tube angle of the Alex frame that I run mm-hmm. is I think seventy five five. I want to more. I wish we had a computer like right in front of us. Yeah, dude, we can. We can right there at laptop. I was gonna say yeah. I could just use my yeah phone. Google it because I know last time we talked about. On, on the Framecast V1, we harped on what the the incarnate the uh, the United Incarnate Frame. We talked about uh, the Doomsayer, the Alex, but just uh, like hyper modern frames. We talked about the the Kink Contender Frame. We talked oh yeah, yeah. The BSD uh, Freedom Frame, because we we were talking about all these frames because of the pre. The prerequisites. I guess we'll get to the prerequisites after we go through all the specs. Mm-hmm. So okay, so I found the the head tube angle was seventy five five on the Godwin. Frame. On the no, I'm the, on Alex? the Alex frame. On the Alex frame. And uh, dude, I noticed the difference between my Mac frame to this frame because uh, the Mac was a seventy four, and that was like, seventy four even. I think it was seventy four even. I really? want to say. Yeah, I'll look that, that up. Look that right. up, Shadow. Look yeah, that. I thought I thought if anything it was steep because I remember uh-huh. Sean's Mac the, being the fucking Mac good. The Mac wasn't tech, but it wasn't traditional either. It fell somewhere in the middle. It yeah. fell in the middle of Hybrid like the frame. van and the Benny. Yeah. The Mac was a more well-rounded frame. Yeah. Okay, I want to say it was a 2014 frame. Because you got your Mac around the time I got my Benny, kind like of. I think 2013-ish. Yeah, I've had my frame for okay. six years. The suspense is building on this end. We are Googling and going through Google Images and really old posts to find out the specs for the Sean Mac frame. Okay, so... Head to angle 75. I'm yeah. an idiot. Sorry, guys. 74. Yeah, like I said, I, I feel like it, it kind of sat at 75 yeah, for sure. a while and then people Sorry, were boys. like people were like we want steeper oh, you know we want more yeah um i currently like 75.5 i would try out a 76 or more if it was free <laughs> but the 75.5 i think is a really comfortable yeah modern street frame that's going to let you do everything you want to do is that the frame you have now what, Ooh, without having the specs in front of me, the Benny's is 75 or 75.5. It's one of them. But I, I should have written down the specs, but... I was right on the, the top two length being 20.87. That's a cool size. I knew size. it was a strange yeah. size. Yeah. I knew it was like, when I got it, I was like, that sounds really tight. Because it was between a 21 and a 27.5. And that's that's something like someone like me who was scared of the 21 would normally go into. Right, exactly. And I thought that was so cool that it, like, it fit that that niche that was like... Because um, at the time, I was probably like 5'6". You know, I, was, I wasn't I was 6 foot at the time. But um, and a 27.5 just felt tiny. And... Uh, I just knew that, like, because I was running a 20.5 at the time. Yeah. So, like, even a 27.5, which was uh, my buddy Germ's frame, felt small to me. So, like, the 20.87 really, like, fit that, like, era. Just real quick to touch on the top tube length before we get any further. Uh, I was able to ride a 20.5 Sunday frame for a little bit. 
I think I talked about that in the first pod, the first tester podcast. It was a twenty point five. Yeah, the Sunday frame. It was gray. The sound wave. Yeah, and wow. that's when that's when I decided I liked bottom wishbone because I really liked I loved how that frame looked. But then I went from that frame to something else, and the bottom bracket was lower. I think was I got it. Was it the V two? I don't know. Yeah, I think it was the second sound wave. Okay. Right. I went from that to the series four. I believe because I needed a different t- I realized it was too short oh that was a frame when we were talking about strange yeah, things strange that people, things people were doing at the time um they did like a wavy bottom bracket oh like we did a, talk like about that the wavy down bracket, uh, or uh, down tube yeah which and, I really uh, liked actually I yeah, thought the design was actually super sick it uh I guess it was like for like dent resistance yeah. dude resistance. it felt it really did feel like like go ahead, try crooked grind. Like it's okay. Yeah. Like with with regular tubing, it's like you know you're gonna put a big uh, ass dent in it if almost you miss. no matter what. Yeah. Wow, the dropouts were bigger than usual because the the difference between them is usually like 0.3 inches. This is almost 0.5 inches. Uh, or yeah, it's a half inch actually. Uh, 13.25 slam to 13.75, all the way extended. Yeah. So I was gonna say that's a whole you know 0.2 inches. Of travel of a drop dropout you have on the sound wave. Yeah, I really like that frame, but I realized I needed a longer top tube, and that's when I got the series four through two by four. <clears throat> but along with a uh, head tube angle, real quick, is like fork rake. Like uh, we don't have to talk about every single yeah thing without forks, but yeah, you're right. Without getting balls deep into it, nowadays you have modern companies. You have the animal. The Colin forks. The Colin forks. Uh, the street forks. Whatever. Yeah, whatever they are. You have the BSD have like Jones and forks, and they're really pushing the angle of what's possible with a fork and how steep you want that front I got end. Twenty sixes, and they're like really dropped back, mm-hmm. dude. Because uh, I went from the sa- uh, Sunday morning V twos. What were those? Uh, I can't even recall the wake <clears throat> on them. Check them real quick. Yeah, Check them. I'm looking up. I know the difference between the two. Because I changed them while we were in Pittsburgh for the uncovered yeah. contest. By the way, I was riding box jumps and I hurt my ankle. Like I swear to God, strictly on that geometry change because like the riding of box jumps became harder because my wheelbase became a lot shorter. Like you weren't ready for it because it, you did a you did a, a a drastic change on something on a contest weekend while you have all this stuff to ride in front of you. Yeah, right. yeah. The point of what we're mentioning is you can have a more traditional head tube angle and get a more aggressive fork angle and play around with the dimensions that you like and what's possible. Yeah. Or you can have a hyper modern, super steep head tube and a very modern fork. Which is like Shiloh's setup. That's going to give you the most aggressively steep front end for what you want. Mm-hmm. But you do have the option of playing around with that. And and like what like we said in the, in the tester podcast, um, some of this... As much as there is about frame geometry, we also want to stress that a lot of it is just fucking pure will. Like if you if you want to learn nosies on a seventy four degree head tube, you can do it. Oh yeah, it's doable. You're yeah. exactly right. Anything's possible. I, I mean, I can't do them. I can't do yeah. it at all. I wish I could. I'll give. Yeah. A, I would give a pinky toe if I could nosy. But um, part of part of this part of the point of this podcast is also to understand that like 
I remember the first time I ever saw somebody killing it on some like shit ass bike. I was like, wait a minute, it doesn't matter at all, at all. Well, yeah, we talked about that that BMX Nigeria edit. That uh, you know, those guys don't have the most modern setups. You know, they probably have a more traditional setup. They might have janky stuff. I don't want to make any assumptions, but they're killing it. You know, and and I mean every every company's. Oh, I guess the offset was only. Thirty-two. Because I think I'm running the because there's two options of the street forks the but the Sunday morning V2s were 28 millimeter. So you went from 28 to 25, or 20 to 24. No, animal street forks. What were the fit blade twos? That's what I have. I have the 15 millimeter offset. 15. Yeah, I have the lower of the two, so I have 15 millimeter. I went from 28 to 15. That's pretty wild. And yeah. some people are running 32s. Yeah, what's the Fit You should Blade look up what the directors are. Yeah, hold on. I'll look up the Fit Blades because those were... Go ahead. Were those before or after the director? Because I remember those being like somewhere around the same, the same time. So, shout time. out Odyssey Director Forks. I can't run any other forks ever for the rest of my career because these forks will not break. And even if they break, they get warrantied and I get stuck with another pair. <laughs> so, I can never update to get modern forks. I will run Odyssey Director Forks until I die. They are the strongest forks. If you buy a pair, you're stuck with them forever. You don't even have a choice anymore. I'm actually, like, I would give new forks a shot, but I love that the director forks have more room for foot jam whip stuff. They have more room? Because of the way they're tilted. So you have... I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but the way the forks are tilted away from your down tube, you have more room for foot jam right. stuff. And I think that's yeah. why I've gravitated towards that. Like why I do so many foot jams, why I do so many foot jam whips is because I have extra space in there that helps me personally. The the dropout right. of the fork isn't in front of the tubing. The, the tubing legs. is in line. So that moves the whole tubing, even though the angle isn't different. So the tubing's out of your way. Some of this is going to make sense to somebody. It makes sense to me. I think I'm right, yeah. but I feel like I have more room based on that being a straight yeah. design. The legs so, are kicked out away from you a little bit. Yeah. Basically. The fit blades were 32 millimeter. Also. That's what I'm running right now, 32 millimeter. And then you are you got the, the directors. Dude. I have no idea. We're talking about seven-year-old forks. Those that, could be 35. Could be. I, I love my geometry. Like, I'm not good at no stuff, but I think I feel like I can keep up. Maybe I'm what, wrong. What company? Oh, Odyssey, Odyssey Director, Director Forks. Is it Director 1, Director 2? I think they only had one. Dude, Because they, so... they were so perfect, they never had to redesign it. You know, they just nailed it. Well, with that's what I liked about the that Sunday frame. Was it had... They said they used the Director Dude, Junction. 25 millimeter offset. Boom! Look, they were ahead of the game. Fuck, that was at least seven or eight years ago. That was... And they nailed it with a modern angle... That long ago. That and was a very modern angle at the time when those dropped, for sure. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. surprisingly modern. Dude, for... you have 32, you have 25, I have 15. Like, yeah. that's I would give so it a shot. I'm just saying, like, that's just yeah. so crazy, the differences. But I bet you if I update my forks, I could probably update my nosy game. I was kind of stuck with those forks if, like, I didn't decide. Because you them. can't break them. Right. So it's like you're <laughs> right. stuck with these they would forks. Just give me another pair. So I'm like, dude, I have to take them. Yeah, you, you signed know, your you life can't... away. But then I found out the Animal Street Forks had a lifetime warranty. So I was like, 
guess I'll start a new trend. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, give it a shot. Start another one. Yeah. You know, another yeah. hand-me-down setup. So, anyone else needs forks out there? <laughs> it's like, yeah. but yeah, that's kind of the deal, dude. Like, lifetime warranties are a big deal to have from stuff like that. So. Well, and that's important for, like, the frame talk. Frame because talk. Because you well, have right. all the hype of American-made warranty warranties. shit, and then you have Taiwanese-made and saving a bit of money. I know we're going to harp on the heat treatment. Yeah, we're going to um, get there. I think everything's worth it. I think spend, you get what you pay for. And like, I'm going to spend more and more money because when you break it down, you're spending less than a dollar a day in the long run. Like you're most likely not going to break a good product. And why not get what you want? You right, know, get exactly what you want. And this isn't necessarily feasible for like young kids coming into the game. So that's a different topic. Like I understand why their stuff's offered, but we're kind of all coming from late 20s and early 30s. And people that, like, know what they're looking for, too. Because yeah. Yeah. we're not fresh to the game, uh, you know, just willy-nilly going at anything. We we have an idea of what we're looking for, the tricks we're going to be doing, the setups we're going to be putting our bike through. We at least have an educated guess as to what we like. Right. Yeah. And And, like, strong opinions as far as the places we want to spend our money as well. Yeah. You know, cause that goes into it as well as like what, what, and I hate to put like BMX into that category, like, but the scene you want to like, or like the, the bike company you actually want to put your money towards mm -hmm. really like what they're doing for BMX in total or like what you think their content yeah. is like. You kind of want to pay it forward. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If I'm, if I'm liking content, if I'm loving what I'm seeing, I'm definitely spending my money there. Like, if those guys are no, doing... No. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go piss real quick. Oh. I got nervous bladder. I, again, I like what Shallow's saying because, yeah. you know, put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where you're happy. These companies don't have to generate content for us every day. Like, if you have a company that's asleep, not putting out awesome stuff, like if you're not behind their riders, I'm personally less inclined to buy their products um, I'm going to get into, I'm looking to buy the Sealy frame. Like Sunday is always putting out awesome content. I like their riders. Like I want to help them out. Like they're helping me out. They designed a product that I enjoy. That's what I want to get. Um, I think that's important. I don't know if everybody can think like that, but. And what Sunday does with warranty stuff is super fire. That's top notch. That yeah. is absolutely top notch, like over the top. Um, they've really taken care of me over the years with tubular parts like right. bars like forks. I said I've had those forks uh, those forks go through warranty so many times and yeah. like not a single issue and they like they, they what was crazy too what, like what blew my mind is that they didn't um, they didn't really ask many questions you know yeah. what I mean like it's not like they they interrogated me about the part breaking. Yeah, like, they didn't make you feel like the bad guy or a criminal. Right. They, they want to help you out. They want to keep a loyal customer. And like not only that, but when I'm warrant when I was warranting these parts, I was like a like a dumb sixteen year old like still didn't spend my money in the right places kind of kid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I would just I'd be like, oh man, like damn this part broke. And then it's like, oh thank God they warranty things like that. Oh shit, like I can just get a new one. And then like. I didn't have to be like, yo, like, mom, could you, like, help me out? Yeah. I'll pay you back. Or, like, some dumb shit like that. That warranty shit is crucial it, for it a really young BMX a rider coming up. Right. Yeah. Especially, like, young, again, young kids. And, I, like, not so much with the older generation. Because, again, like I said, 
I gave up the lifetime warranty of my Sunday forks to buy animal forks, but those also carried a lifetime warranty. So that was like more of an eye catcher to me as well. That yeah. like I could always warranty these forks now. Yeah. And now I have like two sets of forks that like, you know, ultimately are a backup plan. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know like mathematically like freak things don't happen with parts but you always kind of have that in your head what if i buy this fork that's not warranted, made elsewhere and some freak thing happens Boom. you know i ghost my bike or i wash out and i have like i have the one bad weld that breaks and then i've spent a hundred more bucks wasn't that it sucks. chase d's video where he like slant or he like oh, throws that was his bike yeah, and yeah, his front end broke off yeah, yeah. that was funny that was that was like one of those things that like freak accidents that was, I mean, just like, you what? go see a bike towards a wall who knows what's gonna happen yeah, yeah. dude that was yeah. crazy his bike just blew apart <laughs> something's gonna fail like if if you're really fucking around like just quick sidebar my buddy eddie when we first started riding we first started buying aftermarket parts he bought these really, really cheap forks off Dan's because they had six millimeter dropouts with 14 millimeter axle. Like, we, this is a point in time, Shiloh, where we were doing 14 millimeter front ends. Mm-hmm. And so he get to, he get these forks first day, first sesh, right? We're like riding down the street, hopping on fucking this and that. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he like, the one time he goes to hop up on someone's porch and he like, wigs out and like like uh crab walks and like tries to stop before he hops and just runs right into the fucking porch uh bent his forks so far like his head should could have snapped off right? yeah but instead, i thought you were gonna say he broke his jaw out so he bent his fork he bent his fork so far back he couldn't battle oh oh my god oh it made his wheel touch his bottom or his down tube that's awesome that's insane yo speaking of that um there was a recent Trent Lusk. Uh, oh, his yeah, that rail hop. Dude, he died. He absolutely should have died. But his frame took the impact, and like, it just crushed. Like his the, down like tube a, folded. I think most frames are gonna fail in something like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like, it's almost a good thing. And like, yeah, it, what's crazy it, is like the way it failed actually saved his body, yeah. which was wild. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, if, if nothing would have broke there, it would have kind of pulled it yeah. into the ground, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. It would, have, it would have hurt him way worse Probably. than what happened. And it was the flip-flop of what Matt said. You know, Matt's buddy, his fork bent. This instance, his down tube caved. Right, not his fork. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the thing. so the fork was stronger than the down tube. Yeah, right. if the fork would have snapped in that instance, that might have not been good. Right. Yeah. Oh, dude, it, if anything, like, snapped in that that yeah, Right, if accident, anything snapped, he would have been done. He could have been impaled. Like real bad, real bad. Yeah, let's. All right, let's keep it going here. Um, We're like three hours in and not focused whatsoever. Uh, we have, we have so many notes left. I know I'm just being critical. We're basically an hour in. We had like yeah. 40 minutes earlier plus this. So like, we talked about uh, back end length. No, we didn't talk about back end length. We talked about top tube and we talked about head tube. Now we're gonna talk about back end length real quick. Um, I think back end length is almost so that's such a, a modern discussion topic of mm-hmm. frames. It may not be as critical to the rider's physical stature and height and all that, but personal preference, the back end is probably the most massive thing. Like the top tube isn't so much a choice, it has to do with how tall you are and room for your knees and 
how you pedal and turn mm-hmm. the back end that's all preference that style that's do you ride trails do you ride park do you ride street do you ride hyper modern street and you have a little bit more room to play there and and see what's what yeah and what we were saying earlier was that at one like when we when you guys i think it was when you guys first came in i was saying like i'm six one i probably always should have been on a 21 inch yeah i've never rode a 20 inch because i always didn't like the rear ends now I was saying 21, you said 20 inch. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, like I never rode 21 inch ever in my life because I never I was always afraid of the back ends because I knew I wanted a short back end because I liked manuals. I was mm-hmm. I learned manual 180s and I wanted to kind of keep going with that. And I remember wanting shorter rear ends than bikes were made at one point. I even dremeled. I had a FBM PW Moto. Shout out to FBM, shout out to internal headsets, shout out to mid-bottom brackets, shout out to Phil Wasson. He was called the White Reuben. If anybody doesn't know who he is, look him up uh, and be inspired. He was fucking sick. He was right forward like me, so I really, you know, I, I took to him. I like I was like a wannabe Phil Wasson. But um, the back end length, I still wanted to be shorter, so I ended up like dremeling out my dropouts. And then my tire was like real close to everything in my frame. And I actually, I loved it. I thought it looked so sick because it was like, everything was all tight. And I nice. did the same thing with my Benny frame, but it wasn't necessarily like me trying to shorten up my back end. I think I was running 28.10 or 28.9 at the time. Oh. And I had a shadow half link chain and one half link was too long in my dropout and minus one was too short to get my wheel off. So I dremeled out, I don't know. Three sixteenths, courtesy of Shalos Naniak. Uh, three sixteenths out of the dropout, and it was amazing. So I was gonna say, uh, I remember we were working at Millennia's at the time, and uh, Matt came over the house after work, and we were like riding the ra- my rail that I had out front, and he's like, "Yo, I just shortened my back end. It feels great. Try and ride it." And like, it actually did feel like substantially different. Um, so like we ended up just like pulling my wheel off too mm-hmm. and like using like the rat I bu- file. I bought that file. Yeah, the rat tail Just file. for that, yeah. And we were just like going to town for like a solid. Wow. That's yeah. probably the best way to do it because you could do it a little bit at a time. Right. Yeah. Dude. And then we would file one dropout down, file the other one, and then lay the wheel in there and look at it horizontally right. and make oh, sure the wheel was level. So you like, like a, you all, it was like an artisanal kind of thing. Oh, yeah, it was <laughs> real <laughs> DIY. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, like, dude, yeah. no one, like, and, like, we didn't know if, like, we were, like, compromising our frame geometry, like. I like, was thinking about it, and I, I was like, no, nah, like, there's a lot of that. metal there, we're good. But that's were the, the dropouts like, hollow? Nah, it was, okay. yeah, so, yeah, my frame was the yeah. Benny V1, I the frame I still have now. I Mac frame at the time, so we I had, made the 13.25, probably, like, a 13. Mm-hmm. We may have had the same dropouts. Like, they might have put the same dropout on both those frames. It's yeah. possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know I took, like, a quarter inch out of my back end and it was like dude the the difference between those two and again like that like leads me to my donicky frame that has a 12.5 slam back 12. end 12.5 12.5 and it is like when you have that thing slam dude you could do a manual and it's just like you could be as low as you want in a manual and it just feels right mm-hmm. you know what i mean because like the balance point back there is crazy now mm-hmm. but um yeah so I remember that being like a big deal when we did that. It, like, it felt really good. It took a little getting used to, 
But for the things that felt amazing, it outweighed the things that felt weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happens with the short rear ends is like, you know, you're. why would you want a long end? Why would you want a short end? You want a short end if you're if you're trying to manual or if you're maybe small. No, you if want you a want a manual, you, you want, want a, a short. Longer. If you manual, want it shorter. So if you want a better manual balance point, like my understanding is, you want a little more because if you have a short back end for manualing, you, you have a much lot. tighter manual sweet spot, and you loop out more. I could be wrong. I can't manual to save my life, so I don't know if I know what I'm talking I was about. Say, um, so the the balance point is like with a shorter back end, you have. Um, you have less of a sweet spot that you can hit, but like getting into that sweet spot is easier. Right. So like lifting yes. up a manual with a longer back end is harder because you have uh you know a larger force that you're working against. Um, you have like a fur like that point from where you pull up is further away from you, so yes. it's harder. I so like imagine like sitting in a chair. And you start to lean back on it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If those legs are further away from your back, you're going to have a hard time like trying to sit on a bench and flip backwards. But if you sit on a chair and That's flip backwards, analogy. it's easier. So like, dude, I'm really proud <laughs> I of that. I told you that before. Dr. Staniach. Yeah, right? Thank you. Staniach or Staniach? Staniach. St <laughs> it's actually Stanich. Stanich. Yeah. See? I had a feeling you were saying Oh, that. I knew I was saying it wrong. I've, oh, okay. like, I've always pronounced my last name Staniach. Staniac. Yeah, because it just, makes more sense with the spelling. I feel like right. It does. It's yeah. I E C H, and it just like made sense because like people Staniac is how I would say that. Right, dude. And that was like, dude. I've heard people say some dumb shit to say my Stanyak. name. Yeah, dude. Like in <clears throat> baseball when they were like calling our names, dude. I was like Staniac. It's just like noises <laughs> in the in the. Yeah, I like don't even think you put a T. In. It sounded like static on the yeah. microphone. It's Staniac. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's me. Just because, like, he said Shiloh. I was like, all right, sweet. Well, I guess I should start embracing, like, start revealing some information I've uncovered with, with my frame. And, okay, I talked about the 21. Okay, I did buy a BSD uh, Freedom Frame. I kept on calling it Forever because BSD oh, used to yeah. have a Forever, <laughs> yeah, forever yep. Frame. Yep. yep. But, um, um, I, after we go through all the stats, I feel like I'll, I want to talk about, like, what like my reason for purchasing it i'll talk about that later but right now we'll talk about the back we're talking about back ends and the uh, freedom frame has a 13.2 rear okay i was scared of a rear of i was so my dugan frame is a 13.4 and i was completely happy with it i had no reason to get a shorter rear at all really whatsoever but i was trying to do I was trying to go to a 21 inch so I, in my head I was thinking if I got a shorter rear that meant I could make the front end longer this is all because of Palumbo we we got a shout out Palumbo on this yeah. he helped he helped all of us yep. massively <laughs> yeah yep. he helped us understand how to imagine how to think of your frame geometry because <clears throat> it was dude Palumbo taught taught me everything I think man. he taught everyone in this room how to build a yeah way. I would have made really poor choices if it wasn't for Plumbo and he helped me understand why I should buy what frame mm -hmm. I got based on my size and my personal preferences yo I I switched out stems and I was scared of the reach of the stem and he's like you know how you fix that and I'm like how 
Like, I really didn't think he had a fucking answer. He's like, put your bike up against uh, the wall, like your front tire, measure from your crossbar to the wall, put the new stem on, measure from your crossbar to the wall. Dude, I've never thought about that. So, like, (laughs) that was actually really intelligent to do. Because, like, I've always been, like, um, when I bought my stem, I only bought it. Okay, so, like, I listened to what Matt said a lot. Uh, he's like, he's like, I know what you need, Chilo. And then I just like, all right, cool. Yeah. And then like, I would try it. And like, if I liked it, I liked it. If I didn't, I didn't. But, um, yeah, my stem, I have the Sexton stem and it has a, I think a 32 millimeter reach. And I didn't know what that was going to do for like bunny hops, nose males, mm-hmm. etc. Which is, and what's the traditional reach? Like 50 some, 48 some? No, I think, dude, I think it's right in the realm of like 33, 32 is like the average. I don't know the specific measurements, but I know at the time my back hurt and I know Shiloh's like four or five inches taller than me, so his back had to hurt. Yeah. Or not not feel as good as it could. So I was like, oh yeah, you gotta get a, a top load stem and you gotta get the sexton stem. My back feels better. It's gotta help for you. And it seemed like it really clicked for both of us. Yeah. So like my, rising your bars. Yeah. Yeah, it like pushed them out further. So I think like we your both back had was straighter and it brought them up more. So your back was up like you were you weren't as like hunched over. Yeah, you're more we, upright. I think we both had to fit regular stem. Oh the dude. fit drop regular fit stem. Damn, yeah, remember when they were trying Did to you make have them a lower? Low? You had the low? I nah the right well no, I it's think called we both the fit had... down low, but it was the fit down low regular. Yeah, yeah, we both drop. had the same stem. That was yeah. a weird Bro, little the fit trend down for a low while. drop was strange. And then you had the the fit um what was the other one? Redneck uh not redneck. S no. S M. Yeah, that's S and M. Um it was the XL? Well, see, you said the drop low stem was weird, but I knew people that ran it upside, upside down. down. And I yeah. thought that's what people yeah. were doing to get the height. Yeah, did, people. It was funny. That inspired the opposite. I actually yeah. just yeah. seen Ethan Courier put on his Instagram, like, a picture of him, like, putting the download drop stem on his bike. It was, like, in camo. And I was like, you got to run that thing upside down to make it real. Because, like, that's what kids used to do back then. I remember, yeah, people looking for height. Yeah, people were looking for height, so, like, they did that. Yeah. And that was before, like, 10-inch bar, 10-inch rise bars were a thing. (laughs) Not yet. You know, big bars didn't come out yet. Now... out big bars. The the next thing... So, basically, why would you want a longer back end? Realistically, you would want a longer back end for trails. Mm -hmm. Um, Park? You know, tranny, big yeah. tranny, cement tranny. Maybe tranny. It's something that you want to, don't want to loop out on. I remember right. Van, yeah. Van once told me that. He's like, I tried a shorter bike one time, and every time I aired out, I looped out. Yep. And yeah. I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. So um, I went to a shorter rear end with this BSD frame because I knew I was going to get that. My wheelbase was going to stay exactly the same. So I was just putting my, my center point at a different point. That yeah. was that was the cool part to me. Right. So I knew I was going to get a shorter back end, but I knew I needed that shorter back end in order to have the longer front end, or else it was going to feel too big and sluggish, like I, like how I always picture everybody else's twenty-one inch bike that had traditional geometry. Right. So, with that said, I I had one session on it, actually two sessions one day on this frame so far, and I definitely looped out a couple times. But I really enjoyed how much easier it was to get into it. And I was explaining it to Mark. I was like, 
if I come up on a quarter pipe and I'm going for a manual, it doesn't feel like I'm like stabbing my legs down and like, like fucking, uh, what's his name? Evil Knieveling it until I'm done and then hopping into the quarter pipe. It felt like I am balancing here and I will hop in when I feel like it. Right. And that, that felt very sick. So it felt like I had more control, but at the same time, like you said, the pocket of looping out mm. is easier. I yeah. feel like the area to snap tricks is in your back end. So, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ultimately, when... Okay, back to, like, the chair thing that I said. So, like, when you spin in a chair, you put your arms out, you spin slower. You bring your arms in, you spin faster. Yeah. So, like, that has to do with, like, your front wheel and your back wheel being far away from each other. It's, like, rotational energy. Yeah. So, when you bring your back end closer to you, your spin generates a lot easier because you can just bring your legs up to you. Mm-hmm. And then you've brought your wheel practically under your ass. Right. And that way, like, your body is spinning. It's not, like, like it's, it's, big not, like thing. it's not this big thing anymore. It's just, like, a very mm-hmm. small... It's condensed. Right. It's, like, when you watch an ice skater spin... They get really straight. You know what I mean? He brought up ice skating. He real thought sh- about this. Real shit, dude. <laughs> You're right, though. Yeah. You're right. And that's like a thing. It's like you get really like narrow to mm-hmm. spin faster. So that's also the problem with um, the back end and like the transition and stuff like that. It's like try dropping in on a half pipe in a wheelchair. You know what I mean? You're gonna fall backwards every right, time. Right, because it's too short. Yeah, because it's too short. Bring that, bring that back end further. Like, put wheels on a bench and drop in. Like, you're not gonna fall back on your head. He's using the Palumbo strategy, which is basically if there's any stat you're worried about, try and exaggerate it. Right. And it helps you wrap your brain. Exactly. Around. You you can exactly. make it more quantifiable by finding a metaphor that's more imaginable right or like, like a, an easier an image to imagine and that's what and it's worth like, it to do it put wheels yeah. on a bench and like think your back end being that long right like you're never going to be able to fucking pull up mm-hmm. facts now big facts moving in moving out of back end length uh what's next lay it on me see um i was trying to go from like not so important to like really important or something i don't know Ooh, we're kind of we're well, jumping around. I feel like, I feel like, like I said, like one length deals with you physically, one's preference. Now we're getting into like other things you just kind of accept. Like other measurements that like you picked out the important ones. Right. Now the other ones are just kind of like personal preference or what you have to accept and deal with. So something that like I, I don't pay attention to, nor have I ever really gave two shits about is like my bottom bracket height, which Matt Smith. Matt has, has the best big, analogy story why this makes sense right and he's like he had the biggest reason why he like looked at the bottom bracket height so much and i was like dude i never ever looked into that and then he said it and like it all made sense oh okay i get it now yeah yeah dude about when i first built that frame up yeah Yeah. okay i didn't understand bottom bracket you have to tell that story because that's really beneficial for the imagery of why right i'm stoked you guys are interested in this story yeah that was helpful so um, at one point I lived on a hill, um, and I had to basically go down this hill to go to anything around Penbrook, Penbrook, Pennsylvania. Um, it's basically Harrisburg, but it's got its own little borough. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I wait forever, wait forever. I'm going from the Sunday to the series four and the series four had 11.6 bottom bracket. 
Sunday had 11.75. I wasn't buying this frame for the bottom bracket height. I was buying this frame for every other reason except bottom bracket height. It was, I was, ne I don't know, negligent, whatever. Right. So I was, I, I did not have a car. I was pedaling everywhere. I knew exactly what my bike felt like because I rode it twice a day, every day. <laughs> um, so I get my new bike built up and I take it, I have to take it down to uh, the pump to pump up the tires. I didn't have a pump at the time. I thought you meant to put gas in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I took it down to the gas station to put air in it. Yep. And then after I put air in it, I pedaled it up the hill on the way back to my apartment. And that's when I noticed, wow, this feels good. Like, I never felt, I never thought pedaling would feel good, but it felt easier. It felt nicer. And I was trying to figure out why. I'm like, there's no reason why that should feel any different. Like, nothing changed but my frame and handlebars at the time. So that doesn't affect pedaling, I wouldn't think. And then I looked at the stats. And I saw that the bottom bracket was lower. And then I started thinking of like the pulley mechanism and like you got this pulley or this gear and this gear and you got the, you know, if you're lowering it, it creates like a more equal line of force. And ever since then, I was like, this feels good. Like it felt good to pedal. Right. Like I get on other people's bikes and it felt like I was standing on top of something. Like if your, if your bottom bracket was where your C-tube was, some people's bikes feel that way. Right, like, like you gotta like really push that. Like yeah. you really gotta jump on it. It feels like, it feels like you're standing on top of something instead of standing in something. It, right. Yep. And um, so, now, with that story, fast forward to this new frame. It's even lower. I went from eleven point six to eleven point five. I was I was gladly accepting a lower bottom bracket after that experience. Mm -hmm. with the 11.6 and as soon as I got on the new frame on my first sesh my bars felt taller yep because the bottom bracket was lower that makes sense yeah makes so a ton of sense. when I went to go three dude it felt sick because it probably f it, you're basically because you can pull your bike into you a lot more you know what I mean like no one's going to want to admit this but you're basically making your bike more scooterish yeah, in you're a right. sense, yeah. In a sense. You're lowering it, you're lowering your your bottom bar your bottom part, your are It's more like standing up part. and having your hands at your belly button or your abs. Yeah. So it just felt like okay, so then I went to go do a bunny hop three and with my lower bottom bracket, with my shorter rear end, with my room with my room to move in the front, it felt like I could scoop the three. Like I already tried scooping threes. Like that was like my my thing I tried to do, but it felt easier. So I don't know about you guys, but for me, for a really dipped, like trendy looking hip three, I point my toes down. I put my I bend my knees and I like try to put my dick on my stem, and I feel like that. Put your dick on your stem. Yeah, and like you yank it and you you twist with your arms, and I feel like that. Like I watch, I watch Aaron Ross three, and I feel like he kind of does that. I feel like that feels really yank your trendy. dick on your stem. Yeah, yeah, just yank my dick on my stem. But um, no, but you know what I mean though. Like I your do toes do. are down, your knees yeah. are bent, your your crotch is towards your stem, and you're pulling with your arms. And I feel like that is like a floaty looking three. See, yeah, and like I'm gonna reference Felix Pragenberg when he threes, or like Dan Lacey when he threes. It's like Elbows at his chest, knees to his 
like his yeah. like abdomen area and it is just like cranked and like his bike is just like like him and his bike are literally just like together at, yeah like at, at to a point shout out to dan lacy for yeah. that yeah. craziest looking threes remember i remember his uh video like his welcome to federal or some shit like that and it was like no one had seen him before and i was like who the fuck is this insanely steezy dude with like these crazy like wild whiplashy like threes and yeah dude coolest 360s but um so so bottom bracket changes how your bike feels some people like a higher <laughs> bottom bracket for some things i did do some research online and i saw that some people like lower bottom brackets like you said some people like low bottom brackets and long rears for not looping out when they're doing like the mega ramp yeah, and you know, I've seen I've seen modern frame descriptions or seen people talk about stuff and they'll say a higher bottom bracket for crooks than crank arms. Yes. So if you're in the middle of a crook, if you have a higher bottom bracket, you have less frame touching whatever you're on, and I can really resonate with that. I agree. I like a higher a, not a higher, but I like some height to my bottom bracket, but some some lowness to my seat. And I feel like Okay, so we're talking about bottom bracket, and I, um, how you reference like crooks being easier with a higher bottom bracket. Um, I don't know if they're easier. It's right. just the idea that your frame's not, not hitting. Um, I feel like with a longer top tube, tail whips start to change because your back wheel gets further away from you, and that slows down like the rotation unless you keep your bike. wheelbase the same right exactly yeah. so like once you start changing your wheelbase mm -hmm. that's when like your spins ultimately will begin to differ yeah 100 percent. now with with what you said about bottom bracket height lawhead comes into standover <clears throat> which is a big deal not it's not a big deal really it's it's more aesthetics than anything Never really looked at standover either. So this brings up the Colorado frame, mm -hmm. um, with the so, low standover. So the idea behind the Colorado frame at the time, Tail to my chains. best understanding, was it made whips easier. Yeah. People did not enjoy the aesthetics and look of it, but it made whips easier for getting your feet and your legs over. I really relate to. I like that lower stance. Um, I do a lot of foot jam whips. I do stuff where I tuck my bike up. I do stuff where I want to be able to, I want to be able to hop my bike up really closely below me. So like my seat is like all the way up between my legs, the way I hop. Um, and it just feels more techy to me because I can twist my bike around and move it for tight techie things i don't like a high seat i don't like a high frame mm -hmm. i like them to be more condensed mm -hmm. that's just my preference yeah um i think the benny v1 really worked well for that you know you have a closer your down tube is closer to your top tube you have a smaller c tube i like that some people don't like that look but i like that tighter geometry that tighter yeah triangle i my first experience with a lower standover is i think the FBM Howler frame. I remember seeing, I used to go on bike guide and go on bike gallery just so I could see what the newest frames looked like built up already. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw it and I was like, so I was kind of already leaning towards an FBM at the time. And I was like, man, what makes that frame look so sick? And I read the stats and I was like, oh, it's got a lower standover. So like there, there was a moment in time where like basically frames were getting lower and lower and they looked like 
there was a, there was like a window where they looked fucking sick, and then it went too low, and it went to like Colorado status. Yeah, I think there's some modern like <laughs> park frame companies without naming any names that I think still really push for that, where the back of your seat is practically touching your back tire. Yeah, you guys are gonna hate me. I thought the Kildorado frame looked so cool. I mean, I'm sure some people did. Dude, functionally at the time, you hated on it, but you were kind of jealous because you saw that person like, damn, they are landing that whip. Or there's whips. Remember Corey Jarman? He rode for two hip, and I think he had a street frame that was very similar where it had an equally low standover. And this dude was doing like, dude, he was like light years ahead of his time. He was doing like backwards manuals to like half down whip out like crazy guy yeah like real i remember it was like a promo or something it was like a 180 bar to like backwards manual to like half down whip out yeah before anybody was doing anything like that you know and you hear about people say like oh i pinch my seat between my knees when i throw bars my seat is slammed and when my seat's down it's kind of between my calves because 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 i like i like that low seat tube height but that's just what works for me. So, Other people might not like that. So if, if anybody wanted to, if you wanted to use a stat to relate it to, it would be your height. Yes. So like if you have a stall, uh, if you're a taller person, you might want a, a taller standover. Yeah. Because you could have your seat slammed or you could have it like a fist high or whatever. Yeah, but obviously the... your seat moving changes how this feels, but mm-hmm. I like having my seat slammed Yes. and my frame low. Yeah. So, like, the standover is basically how tall your seat is before you even pull it out of the seat post, Exactly, yeah. You know? Dude, if my seat gets in the way of my legs moving around, I get real frustrated. Same here. And um, I've ridden, like, a couple of my buddies' bikes, like Cam and, like, Ishan and those guys. Their seats are higher than mine, and, like, <clears throat> I'll feel it touch in between my knees. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, like, frustrates me. Like, I can't – it makes me feel like I can't, like, move my knees enough to 360 – like, like, you don't like it. Right, like, because mm-hmm. when I three, I pull my knees over my bike sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, pulling my bike. You need some and, more room to move around. And I need of. that room there, you know what I mean? So, like, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as Matt. Like, I like my seat lower to my bike, my frame more condensed, a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. All I would say, all in all, my bike is, although it's taller, it's pretty tight in mm-hmm. geometry. Because, yeah. like, I run, like, 165 um, cranks. I run the 15-millimeter offset uh, forks, the Alex D 7.75.5 front end with yeah. a 12.5 back end. So you basically have the techest setup possible yeah. to, to some degree. Yeah, the most sense. hyper-modern right. measurements yeah. and geometry. Mm-hmm. I and think I really just, like, for me personally, I want to touch on like uh company like personal details like engraving and mm. like that's like the cardinal that's what stuff we're gonna we talked get about. into yeah that powder coat quality and frame promos like sick, sick frame promos and then sick. like talk about like maybe why i want to buy the sealy yeah um, yeah if Basically. you ever want to buy a frame don't buy it in raw because it's just gonna rust through yeah yeah, yeah i'm glad you said that because yeah. uh the alex i love the alex frame but that's like my one thing that i would never do again and like I'm yeah. not gonna call BSD out by any no, it's it's anybody's raw frame is gonna do that. That's yeah, the yeah. problem. And and bike companies say, know that. And bike companies didn't want. And to I don't do raw. think they're like I don't think they're like 
even though it looks so sick like they have to find like a new formula if they're gonna do it yeah they, there needs to be something better there needs to be like not like a recall obviously but like a like a reframe up of what clear coat would actually just would actually be um one okay so now we're going to talk about a stat or a spec that i didn't even fucking think about and it's the c2 angle mm-hmm um fit had a frame to eddie frame that had a slack c2 angle and that was my first memory of of that it was like oh what's this slade about? had the eddie frame he did yeah yeah the eddie cleveland i think v2 so when i was looking up and considering my bsd freedom frame i noticed all these the longer top tube the shorter rear the lower bottom bracket it had a nine inch standover which i didn't want i like you lawhead i prefer a slightly lower standover i think it just looks cool mm. but i did understand that that meant that the weld the whole junction was going to be that 0.5 inches 0.25 inches taller which means that my seat's going to be taller which i mean i like the way a load seat looks but if I'm six one, I don't need my I don't really need my C as low as Lawhead. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I was that was where I was willing to compromise. Like every other spec hit, all right, I'm jumping in. So then I never really considered the C two angle. So I have two different websites written down: Odyssey, Daily Word, and then uh, BMX Union. Both have articles on C tube angle. Um believe yeah the odyssey one is called isn't that bike a bit small for you mate <laughs> and um and that is awesome i wanted to shout that out because that's an article that is kind of basically doing also what we're talking about here and kind of helping people figure out what's right for them what's what's going to help you out same thing for bmx union they were talking about c-tube angle and so i found conflicting information one one says that like it, all it's gonna do is bring it back like this and make your top tube longer so you're not gonna feel a slack c tube angle unless you sit down essentially it's gonna look different your seat might be tilted a hair more if you leave your seat go and don't like adjust like the tilt of your seat mm -hmm. but basically when you sit down is you'll feel a difference and that's it you're moving your seat further away and you're kind of giving yourself an, a little bit of extra front end room with that slack C2 angle. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that, like, me personally, I'm still going to feel my seat between my legs because I'm always tilting my bike left and right, and I know where my seat is on my legs. Like, I think I would feel it. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, it would basically it bump would your be seat significant. back a hair. Yeah. You. That's all it basically would do for you. Yeah. But then when I read the BMX Union article, it was saying that if you tilt your c-tube angle you're bringing your bottom bracket forward forward which doesn't make sense if your back end like doesn't change right so i think it's i think it's upon the frame maker's discrepancy on how that works mm -hmm. i don't know for sure i would love to talk to, to anybody well, who is wanting to talk to me talk to us about frames anytime so just basing it right now we have matt series four no this is the dugan oh uh, this is the dugan frame but it's basically like a series one um and just referencing what i'm looking at now is with the c-tube angle so like let's say the c-tube angle did change the way this tubing is mitered to fit the seat tube itself 
even if the C tube angle changed, the the angle of the frame or the angle of or the length of the um, seat stay and the top tube wouldn't really change because the way the miter is. You know what I mean? They're mitering it to fit that angle right. and not vice versa. Right. It's going to be mitered differently to fit that stat. <clears throat> you spec. know what I mean? So like they wouldn't oh. have to change the length of the chainstay. They would just have to change the miter for the tube and the way it's angled. Up here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So then I, I, so then I, I thought about that and I was like, well, let's go back to this back end here. Why is the BSD Freedom Frame 13.2 instead of 13? It's because of that seat angle. Interesting. Yeah, because like one of those one of those links, I forget which one it was, actually shows you like if you extend like the line all the way out, how much of a difference that is. So either you're going to get a longer top tube or a longer or like a a closer bottom bracket tube mm -hmm. tire. So it's like it's a weird spec in general. It's mostly for aesthetics and for how it feels when you sit down, realistically. Now, with that said, we can go into my prerequisites for buying a frame were a wishbone, uh, chain tensioners, and uh, a C-post clamp. And if that existed in an American-made form, I would have immediately bought it up. Matching. So correct us if we're wrong. Like, is any American company putting out tensioners? Right? Are many? I think are... I think S and M's catching on. I just started noticing okay. it recently. Yes. Got you. If that's, I feel like if, dude, BMX is just like if you're wondering how the world works, and you know a little bit about how BMX works, it's no surprise how the rest of the world works. Like, if three major BMX companies do Start something, chain tensors all stuff like. Like oh, they the could yeah. push everybody else in another direction. Right. That yeah. That's kind of the yeah. thing. Um, uh, so now, so I'm talking about Lawhead's still looking for a frame. I just bought a frame. I bought the BSD Freedom Frame. Now, I knew going into it, like you said, about the $500 thing. If you want to do a custom frame. I, I knew I'm going to be riding a fr this frame for a long time. Yeah. But I also knew what specs I wanted, like we just uh, ran down. Mm -hmm. And that frame met my specs. The only spec that that frame did not meet in my prerequisite was to stand over. And I can get over that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in, until I'm putting my heel through the top tube on a whip. Right. Until it really becomes an issue. Like, I don't know. Like, I'll get over it. That's... You can adapt your skills to your bike. Exactly. Ooh, that was like such a good point that I made in the first trial run of the podcast was if I can't land something or I'm not going to do something, I'm not blaming my geometry or my bike weight or what have you. It's my skill. If I, if I can't land something, it's due to me and due to what I can do. I'm not going to blame a quarter inch or a couple millimeters or, you know, fractions of a pound of my bike. So I... <laughs> I actually went the opposite of that recently, and I was like, I was like, damn, I suck at Brian Detrani. <laughs> like, holy hell. But I mean, you generally, what percentage of your right. riding is training? That it's was not kinda, something that you're going to buy a bike based on. Right, and that's the thing. I am, like, 
solely a street rider. Like I, I grew up only riding street, barely ever yeah. rode parks. Yeah, we warm up at park and then go ride street. And, and even riding not... the park, I'm riding the street obstacles in the park. Exactly. So like it wasn't it wasn't something that I was like keen to, mm. but um, <clears throat> I noticed when we were at Woodward like recently, I'm like riding like the the ramps there, and like I'm not god awful at transition, but I know. That if my bike was longer, I wouldn't have such a hard time with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, granted, I know that, like, it's because I don't ride transition enough that I'm not, like, immaculate at it. Mm -hmm. But I also do know that, like, my frame setup, my bike setup isn't really meant for transition, really. It's, like, Mm -hmm. it would make transition hard for, like, even a well-renowned transition rider. With that said, do you know what... What uh, Fort Drake, uh, not Alex Kennedy, um, Alex, Alex Donnecke yeah. rides. Yeah, Donnecke. I would assume it's I somewhere think like he runs the Jones and because Jones and he's Forks. pretty sick no matter what. Oh, you I want. know, and that's the yeah, thing. that's a good point. And that's, yeah, and that, that was another thing that I was get I was getting to, is that like I know Alex Donnecke can ride transition. Yeah, if he well. can do it, I could do it. Right, right, like, exactly, and that's kinda, like again kinda. basing it off my skills, but I'm also saying that like. If you are looking into riding transition more often as like a young rider coming up, then like you might want to look into like not putting your wheelbase as close as I did. But you're you're probably going to have to go too far before you learn what you what is like too far. Right? Yeah, what do you like? Chances yeah. are you're going to have to make at least one frame mistake, which means regretting that three hundred dollar, four hundred dollar, maybe even five hundred dollar frame purchase. I have a really good example of that. So I, I uh, warranted I think a D hard frame, and they stopped making it. And I was at two by four at the time, and I got the Aiken frame, the Aiken S four, and uh, same top tube size. I believe so. I think I've always been twenty seven five for a solid ten plus years, but. So I go from the D heart, which is more of a street frame, to the S4, which is more of an all-around, maybe even more so trails and tranny frame. Um, right, right. And I get it, I build it up, and we go to ride, and it's I can't even, you know, it's like I can't even three off a curb anymore. And I was so frustrated, I didn't understand why I was, I don't know how old I was at the time, 19, 20 years old, whatever. And uh, I felt so frustrated, like I couldn't do all this stuff. And I went back to 2x4 and I talked to Palumbo and I said, hey, like, I, I don't like this frame. I can't do all this. He said, oh, my God, you know, you should have gotten a shorter rear end. You should have gotten a smaller geometry. You should get the Benny frame. So I went to the Benny frame and, I mean, it was, you know, we've talked about it already in the podcast. It was love at first sight. I would never change it. I, I love that. You're probably and, the same uh, exact height as him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. We're both not very tall. Um, and it just it made sense. And, yeah. Hopefully Benny doesn't think that he's a, a tall guy. No, all us um, English <laughs> folk, you know, I, my family comes to the UK, yeah, so yeah. I think we're all kind of short and pale. Um, and, and like, yeah, I feel like even even down to your style, in a sense, like the, the like fake Smith bonks and stuff he does, and like all the goofy, like, uh, like crazy, like tire wedger stuff he does. Yeah. Like, I, you're, you're into all that. So, like, yeah, that I, fits your niche. As I, well. I thoroughly enjoy his riding and it's something I'd love to emulate. Like I might not, but I enjoy his riding. It influences me. Um, 
he has the alive frame coming out. I yeah. mean, what the hell is that rear end? It's like eleven nine. Like I'm no, not even being dude, funny. I'm not even being funny. Like what's that? Twelve two. Twelve two. Like that's a wild <laughs> rear end. Yeah, that's um, new. That's what, extra uh, new. What size rim are you running, fam? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really? Are you running twenty inch wheels? Um, yeah, dude. And like, yo, like even wow. the Alex Donaghy frame, the newest one has that crazy. Like you that. see that U-shaped cutout yeah. Yeah. in the yeah. bottom bracket, I mean the chainstays, to make bigger wheels fit a shorter back end. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool concept, and I think it looks sick. Now, that's, that, that brings, what we're, what we're getting to here is the shopping portion of it, which, yeah. like, um, I think I have a lot to say, because I've, I've gone through many levels over the past couple months of shopping for a frame. Yeah. Um... Speaking you want, of what you want me to just dive into it and like everything I've been through. Yeah, I wanted to touch base on the on the point of like, like when you're looking at a frame and you're looking at someone's signature frame, like, yeah, it's like personal preference, it's it's aesthetics, but also look at the person. If the person's also like the same height as you, it might actually help yeah. you. Like if you're a really tall motherfucker, you the the best frame for you might be a David Grant frame. Exactly. I know the Safari or the Raider is not good for me because they're a foot taller than I am. Yeah. So I should probably not run that frame. And you're right, I do think about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like so, the Palumbo theory, dude, just don't like don't ride something that's like out of your like Yeah. I mean your height realm. Yeah, you know, certain riders are five nine and certain are six six. You know, and it, right. their frame is going to reflect that. How and it's like, how do you want to look on your bike? I mean, maybe you don't care how you look, maybe you just care how it works. But you know, I rode a twenty point five Sunday and I was enjoying it. Little did I know that it was too small for me, way too small for me. Yeah, bike's too small for you, mate. I uh, the, the way I figured it out was I was riding past the storefront and I looked and I saw myself riding and I was like. That's what I look like on a fucking bike. So I'm not like bashing anyone by any means, but I know that like there was an era of um, like riders. It was just like everyone had this like crazy hunchback. You know what I mean? Like yeah, everyone was kind was, of like, unavoidable scrunched mm-hmm. on their bike. It was like their arms were too close together, their shoulders were really high up, and their back was like you're going years back but like and that was all bars but i feel like there's like still like a style that almost like that like warrants that if that makes sense like there's Mm -hmm. like a street style that warrants that like same like same look on your bike you know what i mean it's a smaller niche i know what you mean it's like a new york city uh, smaller bars i know what you're getting right the smaller bars the tighter bike you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. like ultimately yeah i thought that was that's just like such a I always like I always wanted my back not to feel that way mm-hmm. you know what I mean I wanted yeah. that like longer front end yeah so you're gonna go into your oh yeah so I'm gonna purchases. I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into it <sighs> I hope I can be concise and not too roundabout um so I I currently have the Benny via or v1 um had it for like six years like we talked about I ground out the dropouts maybe you know three sixteenths of an inch, maybe a quarter inch, and I love the feel of it. Um so I used to work at a powder coating shop. I powder coated my frame. I powder coated into the removable brake mounts because I said, oh I'm never gonna run brakes. Fast forward like four or five years later, I'm thinking I wanna run brakes. So you, you uh, wanna run brakes now? 
So that's the main thing why I'm looking at a new frame. I love my frame. I want to put brakes on. Oh. And I can't right now because I powder coated inside of my yeah, brake mounts. You haven't ever looked at like re-threading that? I would, have to, I would have to sandblast it. Like I would have to yeah, meet. You could just like tab and dye it. Yeah, not with think. Yeah, yeah, it would cut your yeah, paint. It would cut your paint. Uh, see, I'm like sketched out about trying nah, it. No, you would just use the same thread that was used. The thing is, you would have to note the thread that was used, though. Right. So right. my frame could also have like little like micro cracks. Yeah, and, this is true. You know what I mean? It, it's how you, safe. You've is had it? it for six years. Exactly. It's way past due. Normal people, not normal people, but like yeah, a lot of people true. that are riding, a lot of like. If you're thinking about current frames right now, these people that are riding the current frames are riding for uh, six months, a year, maybe two years. I I used to get about two years out of a frame, sometimes only a year with most frames, and then I got to this one, something clicked, <laughs> and it's lasted that long. But, uh, yeah, long story short, the majority of it is I want to run brakes now. Um, you want to bring back the foofs. Yeah, you know, and, and like I'm getting ready to move in a little bit and I think I'm going to be doing more LFSing on my bike and I want to raise my seat and have brakes to get around. There's a lot of times where um, like we were just at Woodward and when we would go up to the lodge and go back down to the barn, there's that steep ass hill. So I'm sticking my foot in my back wheel and it's like, do I want to roll or run down my tire or run down my shoe? And... I don't know. Why not get brake pads? I can okay. wear those down. Um, and I don't know. It just give me a little more control to have brakes again. While we're on the subject of it, the only way I was going to commit to brakeless, I've been brakeless for whatever amount of years. Yeah. I used to run, I used to run brakes just like you. We used to do kind of the same shit. Um, the only way I was going to convince myself to go brakeless is if I knew how to slow down without putting my shoe and my tire so i had brakes and i went to the brooklyn banks jam and we took the chinatown bus with tom white mm -hmm. and we're riding to the bank i don't know where i'm going it's a big city it's fucking crazy and we're riding and i hear us and i'm like looking over and i see tom white and he's doing this slide out and he's using it to slow himself mm -hmm. down and it was the first time i had ever seen it in my entire life and i was like what the it's like, you know, all that Simone shit that he's doing now, it's like seeing that in first. Yeah. For the first time right. in real life, I was like, oh, that's how you slow down? And I was immediately obsessed on, like, trying to, like, figure out how to do it longer and longer. Dude, I think that's, like, and, yo, I actually buy, like, I was, like, when I purchased tires, I, like, wanted them to squeak. Mm -hmm. I right. was like, that's was a big thing. I don't know why. It's just, like, it is a thing that I like. I bought like into the chirps too. Yeah, dude, I'm you guilty. buy into it, and like the chirp is nice. Um, and I thought that was so cool when I would watch riders like slam on the brakes, you mm -hmm. know, in essence, and like it should be like chirp chirp, and it was just like them like slam their back end sideways real quick before they like went down like the second rail. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was yep. so sick. <laughs> or if like there was like an L-shaped spot, it was like they would hit the first rail and then they would slam Skid on into the skirt. wall and then go and then, in. Hit the next one. That is that is badass. Yeah, brakes are badass. So ass. sick. If if I look at why I really took my brakes off, so I'm going back probably ten years, comfortably ten years. My back wheel was never true, so I had to run my brakes looser. They didn't work as well. I probably didn't even know how to work on my brakes properly and tension them properly at the time. I probably had the local bike right. shop do it. 
and it was honestly the weight whore era you were looking at your bike we were grinding down the grind side of our pedals like we were drilling holes into our pedals um i took my brakes off i ground i had somebody's dad's dremel i took the brake mounts off and i saved that much weight on my bike and that was the important thing in 2000 2007 8 or 2008 um that was what was important to us and I don't know. I may. I had no. I had no f- trick reason to take brakes off. Like I did brake tricks. I did foofanoos. I did tire taps. I did hurricanes. Whatever. I just took them off mostly for and, weight. And you ran a straight cable. I had the Nocon cable. You had the Nocon. Yeah. Oh yeah, I never had gyro, dude. I could barely work on regular brakes, let alone a gyro. So I was not even touching that. I had straight cable, and then I was like starting to learn. I learned bar spins with cable, with the brakes and without brakes, but I noticed that with brakes, I would catch the, the cable and yank it right the fuck out, or I'd catch the lever and like beat up my hand. So I went, I went brakeless because it was like the only way. I learned how to, I learned how to bar with brakes, but then when I, when I was able to do it without breaking anything, I would like soft catch, with that right hand. And I didn't like that because I was, it was always like I barely caught it because mm-hmm. I didn't have as much control as I wanted. So when I took brakes off and I did my first bar spin, I felt like every brakeless ride, every cool brakeless rider ever. I was like, this is like a whole different club. This is so sick. Right. The thing that I used to hate is I used two fingers on my brake lever and I would use my pointer finger and my middle finger and I would pull down so hard it would give me a cut blister on my right ring finger. And that was always irritated. It always felt real shitty. I probably could have like wrapped up my lever or something, but I remember that specifically always annoying me that I would pull my brakes so hard. It would rub, it would be bloody, just didn't feel good. And I remember, you know, going back to that, that was yeah. a little bit yeah, part of it too. Yeah, it sounds like your brakes weren't tight enough. And you're exactly right, because my back wheel was never true. Right. So I had to run my brakes looser, but... uh I don't know. It right, was something. You wouldn't have to pull your lever as hard if your brakes would work right. You know? And and they didn't because my wheel was wobbly. Right. I didn't know how to true a wheel at the time. I was eighteen, whatever years old. So what's what what's what uh what are you looking at for your new bike? Oh, so yeah, frame? that was a super roundabout way of things or roundabout way of doing things. I want to get a new frame. I can put brakes on that has a super modern geometry. Um, and then I want a company that makes brake components that I'm into, you know, awesome. the actual brake, the cable and the lever. Um, also say how, how tall you are and how much you weigh. Cause I think that helps riders understand where you're coming from. So I'm like five, nine with shoes on. And then I'm probably like one sixty ish with clothes on. <laughs> so like I got to scale it up there. I, I mean, like I don't really weigh myself naked. Like, right. I do. Our, our puppy, I used to weigh how like heavy she got, and I would weigh myself and subtract it from my weight with her. So I think I'm like 160s. Cool. Um, right. But uh, yeah, like I'm not I'm not a big guy. Like I'm probably on the shorter end of things. That's how I weighed my brown lab. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you weigh your puppy. That, yeah. That's what you do. You kind of have a Corey Martinez kind of look on a bike. And I mean that with 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 high regards. Like in a good way. Yeah, like right. I'm kind of stocky, kind of like chode-ish um, on my <laughs> no. bike. You took that the whole other direction. But, yeah, all right, I wouldn't fine. have said chode-ish, but yeah. Chode-ish. Yeah, I'm say, short, kind of wide. I would say like like the Corey Martin, not chode-ish. Corey make- Martinez like, is like kind of good description just because like 
you're both smaller yet like stockier dudes, so you're like wider set on your. You're point. like Corey Martinez with bigger bars. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. like not the SUD, but I think you make big bars look good because of your size. And that's interesting because I don't even like wide bars. I like higher bars. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because I'm short, but the height makes my back feel better, even though I'm not tall at all. But I like like the top load and the higher-ish bars. I run the 49er bars. Everybody's reaching for this guy. It just feels, something feels. Well, and honestly, so I had Lumberjacks or Space Bars. I forget. I think I had Lumberjacks. Space Bars. I had space bars before my 49er bars. Absolutely nothing was wrong with them. I just wanted to get four-piece bars and got the 49er bars for the look. What, what's, the, what's the rise on those? It's nine inches. I don't know if it's nine even, but it might be like nine and some change. Nine. I was going to um, say mine are nine and some change. Nine. Yeah. I'm I didn't, running the GT four-piece bars. I didn't cut them down because um, the width was close enough to what I had on my space bars cut down. But, uh, you know, getting distracted again. I want to put brakes on a frame. I want super modern geometry. I was looking at, you know, Shiloh and Ishan both rave about the Alex frame. Um, I would love to get that. He doesn't offer brake mounts or removable brake mounts. So I started to look around and... The Benny is no longer available. Uh, they very vehemently will not make the Benny anymore, <laughs> even if you ask him for the geometry. Um, just saying. So, uh, you know, I was looking at the Beacon frame, and uh, I don't know. I just, you know, I want to try something else. I want to try something new. I've ridden Od- uh, Sunday's tubular parts. I've ridden Odyssey's component parts. The whole time I've been riding, I've always been super, super happy with them. So I figured, you know, I'll go to a Sunday frame. Um, I did shop around uh, for a minute. I was looking at the FBM, uh, the Eric Holiday frame. What's it called? Paradigm. Paradigm. I couldn't think of what it was. So I looked at the Paradigm frame. Um, I realized it didn't have a seat post clamp and it didn't have brake mounts. But the Gypsy frame had both those. So I hit up FBM I think it was, uh, I forget who got back to me anyway. They said, oh, yeah, 15 bucks. You know, we'll add a seat post clamp and uh, brake mounts for 15 bucks. So I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to do that. So I kept looking at it a little bit more. And I, you know, just little tiny things. I decided I liked the Sealy frame better. Um, so that's what I'm going to go with. I'm basically just waiting for the new colors to drop the end of the month. What's, uh, um, what's the specs on the Sealy frame? So the Sealy frame specs, you know, I'm going with the 27.5. I'm not super tall. Um, The head tube does have me kind of, the head tube angle was the only reason I was still shopping around. Um, Right now the Benny V1 has 75.5 and the Sealy frame has 75.25. And, uh, you know, I've never been behind the scenes on the actual design process of a frame or like the prototyping of a frame mm-hmm. so I don't know how much of a difference that quarter of an inch makes um wait wait, wait. so it's not a quarter of an inch it's a I'm sorry a quarter of a degree yeah it's you're a quarter right of a yeah, degree. you're right I'm glad you caught me so yeah that's even more insignificant you know what is a quarter of a degree this this link they they show you yeah, yeah. So like I wonder when you what it's going to follow the angle. It turns into like 10 centimeters or some shit. Yeah, I wonder what it's going to feel like. I've had a 77.5 for six years. What is 
a quarter of a degree smaller, or, you know, less going to feel like. Basically, you could, I know you might not want to get off the directors and you're stuck with them for life. Yeah. But if if you got to see, basically. If I got like the Jones and Forks exactly. or the Animal Forks, it would compensate for that difference in the head tube angle. You're in the same 16 millimeter or 15 millimeter animal street forks. Yeah, yeah. With your Benny or with the yeah um, Sealy frame. Sealy frame. Probably have a solid head tube angle there. Yeah, like you can take the risk of buying the frame because if you because if all the other adjustments, all the other specs are up are up to par, you could adjust your fork and kind of get that that spec back. Yeah. Or that get into that spec if you want to. Yeah. That's Um, sick. That's to me, like, I'm not used to this fork thing because I'm still running the Blade 2s, which, shout out to the Fit Blade 2s, fucking awesome forks. 32 they, millimeter offset, fam. 32 millimeter offset, but they but they stay together. That's fucking nice, you know? But, um, like you said, I'm from the era where there was no other offset. It was just one offset that came yeah, out. Yeah, right. So I think the Blade 2s are actually shorter than, than traditional even I'm not even positive. I think the traditional and the thing was is, like 35. Like, I wonder what Sealy runs as far as forks go because um, he like, probably you see, had, he would have the Sunday like night shift or whatever the other one is because he does like a good bit of uh, nose mail stuff and yeah. like again back to like if you can't do it it's kind of your well, you know and and that's something too skill. like I really enjoy his riding and right. I want to emulate it to an extent. Um, just because he does a lot of things I like, like he's doing sprocket stuff, I would think that his frame would lend well to that, and I right. want to embrace what's possible with that frame. Um, but going back to the measurements, like I think, yeah, what are the specs? So, like I said, the the top tube I would get is twenty seven five. The head tube is seventy five two five, so seventy five and a quarter. Um, C tube is seventy one. So, like I'm not. Yeah, that's, that's fine that's by me. That's the normal ass. Like, yeah, shit. yeah, that's yeah, comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the rear end, so slammed is twelve point uh, seven. I wow. think. I think so. That's more than the Began frame that I was looking at, but I think that's around the same size as my Benny V one, ground out. So that's cool. Did you measure it? I have measuring tape. If you want to measure it, we'll have to do it. Yeah, I've never yeah. really done it. Um, bottom bracket height is eleven seven. Standovers eight eight. Uh, Eight eight, eight eight. Yeah, that's nice. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's, I mean. Yeah, and the weight is five pounds. So. Yeah. I don't really care so much about a weight as long as it's around five pounds. Like. That's good. My whole thing, like we talked about in that last podcast, like take your shirt off. Like if you're worried about weight, like don't wear a beanie. Take your shirt off. Take your phone out of your pocket. Yeah. It's gonna be the same as if your frame were an ounce or two different. Yeah, yeah. dude. So. I like. <laughs> Yeah, ever, dude. I don't think I've ever come close to like. I mean, knock I, on wood. I don't. I don't think I've. Uh, dude, you got you got mad close to hitting your fucking face on the handlebars. Do you need photographic proof? I will yeah. Too. Oh yeah, the no, the the hanger tooth hanger. <laughs> You're like, Bleh. dude. I got fucking worked on that. You got whiplash, homeboy. But yeah, so like came my, with the land though. Shout out that day. Yeah, you landed it. So my frame prereqs really just come down to like functional things, C post clamp, brake mounts, um, fairly like I'm not gonna say hyper modern geometry, but fairly modern. Um, aggressive head tube angle, short rear end, hopefully a smaller triangle than most frames, and 
for me, a big part of it is just standing behind a company that I want to give my money to, that I enjoy their content, that I've had their stuff for a long time, and then supporting a rider that I'm psyched on. Like, that's what I hope for. So, oh, yeah, that is shallow. Almost hitting his face on that two day. Dude, almost. Yeah. That was a big drop, man. That was a big drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't make fun of you too hard, man, because you fucking, you're stunting. But I, I do think you need a, a, a crossbar pad. Yeah. Uh, back to the I frame think, thing. I think right. I'm done my frame spiel. Really, just the root of it is I want to put brakes on to make traveling a little more feasible. And then I want to do foof news again. I want to do wall taps. I want to do that stuff. That shit felt cool to do. It is really fun. And... Like riding I, Conway's bike to do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Conway was an inspiration, kind of, to put brakes back on for me because right. I saw how much fun he was having. It's like, I want to do that too. Um, and then I think brakes, again, allow you to do more with less. You're going to have more fun right. on a mini ramp with a sub with brakes than without brakes. Oh so, my God. squeak, squeak, squeak. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm somebody dude. that I never used my brakes to modify my tricks. I solely used brakes to do Break tricks. additional tricks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, that's how I, I felt like some kind of weird, like, strictness about it when I rode brakes. Like, I, if I used the brakes to slow down out of a rollout, I didn't want you to know. I yeah. didn't want you to hear the squeak, so I had brakes that you couldn't hear squeak. And then I tried to only use them for brake tricks. Or, like, if you were manual and you didn't want them to squeak. Oh, so. hell no. Exactly, hell no. yeah. Hell I was no. never doing that. Like, I didn't feather my brakes. I was doing foof news or I was doing tail taps or what have you. But even even an ice on a quarter, I wa- an ice on a sub, I wasn't using my brakes. I just didn't. Dude, I... I I learned how to ice on a sub, and then I learned how to ice on a sub with brakes, and then it got so easy when you did it with brakes, I, like, couldn't go Really? Back. Yeah. Because it, like... It's kind of a tail tap. It's like, kind yeah, of... You're using it as, like, a balance point, and, you're, and, it, and the balance point's like, not rotating away from Yeah. You can just... Hmm. And Hackettstown, shout out to Hackettstown. Hackettstown. I think it was called Skate 57 after that. They had this spine, right? And it was, like, real long or real, real wide, and had a nice deck on it. I remember seeing all the man-made videos, and everybody stunting on this shit. I got to a point of skill level where I could come up and I could manual, like come up, manual it to a point. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I, I was real good at feathering, come to a point and then fake you on the other side. And I felt so fucking badass That's for that. It. Like, like I was just, I was just learning all this stuff and I was Dude. probably like three or four or five years into riding bike at that time. I yeah. never rode brakes. That's wild. Ever. Um, the day I got my bike, my mom bought me a, um, uh, Fit Trail 1 mm-hmm. as my first complete bike when I was 13 years old. And uh, the day I got it, I was in the in the garage on Christmas Day pulling brakes off my bike. <laughs> and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I was like, what? I was like, everyone else runs no brakes. I was like, Slade runs no brakes, so why can't I? And like, it was just like immediately just take them off. Because you liked the way I looked? Because everyone else was doing it. Because it was yeah. sick, dude. Like, I thought it was so sick to throw your foot in the tire. Like, because, like, mm-hmm. I had no, like, monetary value. I didn't get <laughs> my, my shoes got beat. My mom like, oh, well, that sucks. Like, right. you got holes in your shoes. That's your problem. Like, you, you know, like, we'll get you. We'll get you when we get you. You know what I mean? But, like, it was whatever. Yeah. You, you missed the time where Matt and I had, you had pegs on one side and you pedal grinded with the other side. 
Yep. So if your if your pegs <clears throat> were left side, you did right side pedal grinds on ledges and you held your brakes. So that made your bike not tilt. Like you would you would jump onto a ledge, yeah. put your back yeah. foot down in a pedal grind Excuse and hold your brakes. It and was that was how sick. you grinded on the oppo side right. before you ran two pegs. Yep. Yeah. Never did that. Yeah, it that was, was a specific time. And that goes back to me grinding my grind side pedal down to save weight and be smoother. Right. Crazy. Shout yeah. out JCPCs. Now you can just put a grind side on your bike. Yep. That's I can just wear cool. them down. Yep. I love my pedals. I used to. I remember running metal pedals and just having pins on one side. Dude, yeah. that's why I like just trying to crank flip your bike out front. I like do plastic pedals aren't this like the plastic pins are not the same. Yeah, yeah. By any means, metal. dude. Like JCPC pins. Well, you're like, so you're used real. to the metal pins. Yeah, dude, and like the grip on them. Pins. I can literally like when I crank flip, I don't have to like turn my ankles in too crazy. Hmm. I because my pedal just grips my foot. I, I can pretty much stay flat-footed and, like, kick it oh, flat-footed yeah. right, backwards because it's gripping nice. so tight. There's times oh. where, like, I've, I've wished my JP, JCPCs didn't grip as well. Ooh, like, like, like when you're going down and you want your feet yeah. to come off. Yeah, yeah, that's why I can't run them because I, I need – I'm, like, I guess I'm lazy about <clears throat> bailing. And, like, having the Alex Dottaki frame with the short back end and looping out all the time and your pedals are just sticking to your feet. you got to be crazy. ready to jump. Dude, you got to be ready to jump. So the fade shoes, look at the sole. Those yeah. little holes That's grab nice. the pins so crazy. hard and you oh, will die. What size are you? 11? No, 10. 10. 10. 10. Yeah, 10. All right. I think since we covered the high stuff of frames and geometry and what we were looking for specifically, do we have any like little quips about frames or personal opinions? Like I know I wanted to cover powder coat quality and then I did want to quote or not quote, I did want to cover final touches. I think that's really important. Like engraving on head tubes. Yeah. Uh, Dropout cool engraving, like that's important to me. I think a huge thing is like paint. And right, so I had my Alex frame and my Sean frame in raw. I yep. just love the look of raw. Was a big advocate, big big fan of the way it looked. He loves doing it raw. Like Right, exactly. All oh, these baby, things are great. Like raw. Um, but um, I think if companies are going to keep doing raw frames, they need to like kind of step back and look at the drawing board and kind of go back to it and see like... Step up the quality of their powder coat. That clear coat could be thicker. Like you could yeah. still achieve that and have a better quality. You could have thicker powder Dude, coat. Dude, I had my, my Alex frame was like rust veined so hard <clears throat> within and like... Okay, like don't fall as much, dumbass. Like, yeah, that that's like all fine and well, but like, as someone that's riding bikes and learning new tricks and like, like honing their skills, like they're gonna fall. That's like a thing that's like meant to happen. So like, gonna get cracked, like beat up. Right. So it needs to have like a resistant paint, and uh, I mean I can't speak for like powder coated paints, but I can say that the clear coats aren't as durable as they should be. Uh, Shallow nailed it. You know, not all of us live in California and put our bike on top of our BMW when we're done riding. Some of us load five or six bikes into a minivan. You know, some of us throw four or five bikes onto a bike rack on the back of a van, and nothing sucks worse than having a new frame. You throw that bike on the bike rack with your buddy's bikes, and it gets all scratched up. Like, you know what I mean? Not all of us can keep a bike 
pristine and whatever and i think we need quality powder coats like you get a gloss trans brown and it's everybody's pedals scrape up your whole yep. fucking down tube on your first fucking trip yeah uh dude oh. and like the thing is like after i spray painted my frame i know like jcpcs which all of our friends run are gonna scrape my frame <laughs> like they're gonna put lines in my paint yeah and like it's just something like you know is gonna happen but like if it was like a stronger more durable powder coat like i know the powder coat i had matt do on my old frame on my back frame the purple dude that shit went through a fire and was still purple afterwards hmm. so what most bm bmx companies don't do is they don't do a a prime coat and when i did, like i worked at a powder coating shop and when i did bike parts i would do a prime coat and then a top coat and then in a lot of cases i would do a clear coat a seal coat so my frame i did a gray prime coat i did a silver vein top coat and then i did a crystal clear over top nothing's bomb proof i have no rust on my frame it looks amazing and then you have bmx companies that it's probably more financially feasible they do one coat and sell it like that but she looks like they paint you <clears> with <throat> fucking white out yeah well it you know it's off so easy if these companies invest a little bit more money in a prime coat, a top coat, a clear coat, whatever, not only are they enhancing the physical, like, feng shui, aesthetic, visual appeal, they're making a more functionally strong product that's less likely to fail due to rust. Right. Um, <clears throat> Sunday, Odyssey, I guess, whatever, the Black Magic, I, that's a good point to bring up. Yeah is you know their raw isn't raw where it's going to rust their raw yeah. is like a black magic right it's a, a metal treated coating i think it's like an oxidization of some sort and it, it's I, oh it's i think it's like an anodization of steel in a sense where it treats the metal so it doesn't naturally rust yeah wow yeah that's what that's where the black magic came from and that's why i was like as soon as i came out i was like that's going to be uh unanimous Probably. It should be a unanimous decision if it's that way. And I mean, like, if that's the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. Because, like I said, I had a... I was, like, debating on painting my frame for so long, and I knew I should do it. And, like, I finally broke down after getting injured to do it. Mm -hmm. But um, up until that point, I was like, dude, like, I was just waiting for the day to, like, find a crack. You know what I mean? Just, like, find, like, the first, yeah. like... And that black magic shit, it, it coats your frame inside and out. Wow, that's the yeah. difference between that and just some okie doke every other every other frame out there, shit. Right. which is really sick. But it's like, all right, well, but are the specs for you? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and powder coating may add a little bit of weight, but the amount of weight it adds is so minuscule in the grand scheme of things. <clears throat> and what it offers, in my opinion, outweighs anything it may compromise. You know what are you know, they measure it in, like, microns. And what are 10 more microns versus 20 microns? Like, just get that shit sealed up, get it rust-proof, get it protected. And when you have three coats of powder coat on there, it's, I mean, it's bomb-proof. Like, I, my bike's holding up amazing. Right. I powder coated my bike minimum three years ago. And you can't even see rust on it. Yeah, dude. Like I said, my purple frame went through a fire when my van caught on fire yeah and it it lived to tell the story and like take on take beatings afterwards you know what i mean like mm -hmm. that thing was real shit like yeah. could do anything on it yeah yeah so i guess the other thing you wanted to talk about was frame promos 
Yeah, mm. you know, or the lack thereof. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, this isn't like an industry-wide view or like something that is concrete across the board, but uh, it just seems like back in the day when a frame promo would come out, it was basically a video part. You know, it was that rider's heaviest stuff. Mm. It took a long, not a long period of time, but an extensive period of time to film and you know his blood sweat and tears went into that and yeah. uh you know i'm not going to specifically quote anything or cite anything but nowadays you have a frame promo come out and the dude has the same clothes on in like all six clips <laughs> and uh i don't know i think if a company is going to be generous enough to offer you a sig frame or a sig colorway or whatever and you're going to get money from that you're going to get royalties whatever you should go in on that now i know like a company might say we're going to give you a sig frame and we need you to film a minute worth of clips like that's not on you but to like an og viewer i want to see a video part for a frame promo i want to see you go well like so hard in because that's the biggest part you're ever going to be given that's the most significant part to your name it's the most bmx thing there is basically and it's it's a chance for you to shine in which for whatever reason you're sponsored to begin with yeah. like it's it's a, it's a chance for you to show the style style that you have yeah now i know that we i remember bringing it up on the first trial this like the only reason i could see someone not giving it exactly a hundred percent is because they might put those clips towards higher paying sponsors you know if they got energy drink if they got parts company you're right got, so you're totally right, but I think I could be wrong. I don't know that in depth into the industry, but like your frame sponsor is going to be your, one of your main sponsors. Well, I feel like that's re- going to be respect wise. Yes, yeah, respect like if you're smart wise. about it, you're going to respect your frame. Yeah, comp- but you might have other projects going on. Yeah. You're yeah. like okay, let's say in um, in Alex Donaghy's case, you know what I mean? Like I'm sure Monster paid way more for him to put a video together than um, BSD would have. That you could know be what the mean? case. Yeah, you're yeah, right. That's you're just right. because, like, like in the grand scheme of things, like I'm sure Monster has way more money than BSD oh. ever will. And yeah, that's just that's like, a good example. That's just basic understanding of like business. Like Monster is a gigantic conglomerate, whereas like BSD is just a bike company. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So like, you don't just... see uh, BSD in gas stations, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's like, like, you put the content out for the people that not only make it worth it. But the people that have the ability to make the content, you know what I mean? Like BSD, luckily they have a bunch of like, like well-rounded people that want to shoot these things and want to do these videos. But like Garrett said in uh, the podcast with Dennis, like it's really tight that Red Bull will fly him out and like a bunch of other guys out to do a video part and like come up with a concept. And they're like, all right, look, we want to show you or we want to like make what you do the best it can be for you. And like that's crazy. Like that's yeah. the ultimate thing. But um but yeah. um but um yeah. You're exactly. you're right um, and I think there's even examples in where I'm being I don't think I'm being salty. I'm just making an observation in frame promos a couple years ago versus frame promos now, but it might be an already established frame and they come out with a new colorway. Right. And that new colorway might not get the greatest attention or might not get the the most heavy video, but I, I just think of any anything in BMX 
what should be given the most attention is your frame. Yeah, let's let's just to play devil's advocate here. Let's go on the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay, Nathan Williams is one of my favorite bike riders ever, so I'm not trying to talk shit. <clears throat> but he had a grip a grip promo where I would say it was like the opposite end of the spectrum, where like he overly flexed, like the or like the company overly flexed on a fucking grip promo. Okay, so and like like they were just trying to dunk it on everybody. Yeah, right? Right. Like, yeah. like like we like yeah we know the most he's minimal good, part, but it's like it's a grip promo like. Like That's should, awesome. Should the grip promo be that way? So if you have the skills to, like, throw hammers on everything you ride, I think all your promos should be like that. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you have that skill... Nathan might be one of the few people to, to get away precisely. with that. Precisely. Like, if you watch a Garrett Reynolds promo, it's like... Yeah, it's nothing thing. less than, like, Smith whip bar, fakey, full cab whip. It's almost you know always I mean? it's like, new shit. I don't shit. even know what I just said. Yeah. But <laughs> it might work. He might be able to do that. Yeah, and that's yeah, the thing. Right. Like, yeah. if you have that skill set, like, of course you're not gonna see, you know, Tate Roskelly for GT doing, you know, triple down whips. Like, you're never gonna see that. That's gonna be like, but his frame promo. Never say never. You never know what right, that guy's right. gonna do. <laughs> but that guy's saying, the most unpredictable be, bike rider there is. I might think. Might be in his back pocket. Yeah, yeah you never know. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Dude, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, you know, your promo fits you. But I right. do agree with Matt as far as like your frame promo should be. You know, something you really are proud to put together. It's not like, like, oh, yeah, we put, like, a couple hours into it. No, like, you should have been like, dude, like, I mean, however old you are until you got that frame, you've been working practically half that time to get that. Well, we're, you know what I mean? like, we're a bunch of non-pro riders talking about uh, getting a signature frame right. uh, that's on this pedestal, and we, we basically value that as, like, the... The most valuable thing, and I think I think a lot of bike riders, a lot of BMX riders would probably agree. Like that's probably, other than maybe getting your own signature complete bike line, yeah. that's probably as cool as it's gonna get. Yeah. Outside of getting right. signature or anything else on a bike, you got your own signature frame. That means it's like, it is. It's exactly everything we bitched about. That's like the climax yeah. of right. part. Because you have no reason to bitch like any of us did this right. whole frame cast. Yeah, because you, you, you get you, to pick the you know, geometry. Dude, and that's like something that's so sick is like like one day you got to choose. Like one day you were one of us bitching about like, oh man, like I wish my back end was shorter. I wish right. my front end was longer. Yeah. I wish my head tube was steeper. Now you have that opportunity to be like, yeah. okay, like all those things I was asking for, I can try now. And we owe that to BMX we, to, yeah. to that's that's kind of medicine in the middle like exactly the more like, as we make these people pros the more as we like right. and, and and like uh, we and like as a whole like without like I mean this is just how it is like we make those people pro you know what I mean like right. the fans as a following make those people pro but like obviously their skills skill level is pro but I'm saying like yeah you know what I mean we're the consumer buying their product in, in this day and age you have us purchasing and us viewing right you know exactly and like, more people are staying in the riding now than ever right yeah the right. market's getting bigger and wider now than ever it's not so much just little kids it's right it's Dude. everybody it's it's people in their Grown early 20s. Doing this shit. People in their early 30s. Zach Gerber podcast. People shout in their out. Early 40s. Watch it. Listen right. to it. Yeah, shout out to Mike Hankins. Shout yep. out to Zach Gerber. Imprimatur. Watch it. Listen watch, to it. Yeah, watch, I can't say that enough. <laughs> Dude, you know what I mean? Like, listen to the podcast. It, it is worth it. There's a you, whole generation of people just like us right. that you're not hearing from. And, yeah. you know, we're trying to, to open that up a little bit. 
Right. Open up like the 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 middle ground, really. Yeah. For BMX, because like you either got sixteen year olds or like fucking forty year olds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the guys that are running the show. Or the guys that are in the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And there, there's like, people on the like sidelines, too, and that's right, us. Right, exactly. And we're like, and that's we're, it. We're consuming. We're buying. We're, yeah, we're supporting. We're like, supporting. We're giving back. Right. And, like, that's another thing. Not only that, but, like, I feel like collectively the three of us just as, like, another background part of this is, like, the three of us have done enough in, like, the BMX, I guess, community or, like, have tried to put out enough, like, content or, like, I think you we've know, shoot enough yeah. or stuff like that or, like, put into the BMX community as much as, like, as we can or as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that kind of gives us, like, a little bit of say and, like, you know. We're, we're out here. Yeah, exactly. We're in the streets. Yeah. Right, we we doing this thing. So we, we, we talked about all the different specs. I, I hope we that somebody things. that listens to this makes a more informed decision than right. before they listen to this another thing uh we i don't think we've touched on this at all crank like, length no oh yeah um, we touched on okay crank i started at 180s went to 165s i i i am now running 170s for the first time <clears throat> ever in my life i ran 180s my whole entire life i'll tell you what it does feel like i'm on a little kid's bike i don't get as much oomph out of my pedal but i don't i can i can like ignore it like I don't like my spins, my three sixties, whatever. I kind of don't mind. It's not like a big change, and I'm not gonna go like go spend another two hundred dollars on another pair of cranks. Like I'll, I'll deal with it. Like it's that. Like an, I don't see why. Like it does feel short. What I'm saying is it feels short. It feels too short, but I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I don't like. See, whatever. I uh, whatever. My one six fives were like the ultimate. Like, fuck yeah this is great dude if it makes the crank flips come quicker too is that what you told me before oh yeah it makes crank flips come around easier um i feel like (laughs) in um like for crank arms my frame will be closer to the rail and it gives me like more stability there's like less wobble room from like the 180 to the 165 like there's less like drag room for your crank arm um and uh 360s I just felt like my feet were tighter together I felt like I could like mm-hmm. crank a three easier mm-hmm. than if I had longer cranks yeah. by the way I was running 180s because those were the ones that Matt gave me because that's all ads I gave you or he gave you I gave uh, Lawhead I'm sorry Not so Smith. the reason I had 180s was that's because Dan's comp said some kind of measurement i forget what it was i don't know if it was like foot stance or like shoulder length or whatever inseam it was something like that and i calculated what i should run based on the dance comp magazine and it said 180 <laughs> i ran 180 for years until i i cracked a pair of cranks and van gave me a pair of like fit indent cranks i don't know if they were like 175 whatever, whatever i have now yeah they're 175s or 170s I've had those for since two by four has been closed down. I don't know six. R.I.P. Six years. Yeah. Shout out to Van if you're listening. We yeah. Love you. I don't think. I mean, all three of us would probably be at different places if it wasn't for two by four. I don't know how definitively I can say that, but like very much so. He two had by four a yeah. He had a clear positive us. aspect. Yeah, he had a clear positive influence on all of us. Yeah, yeah that bike shop or the bike shop made a big difference. The guy Dan Palumbo that we yeah. all talked about, yep. knowing for AM geometry, worked there. Yeah, yeah, uh, huge. 
Facts. Van Three brought lo- Van brought Palumbo on board, and that could have been like the smartest thing he ever did because Palumbo taught us how to look at frame geometry and helped us figure. Yo, he really knew his shit, out. man. Yeah. He just knew his shit. Yeah, I don't know how he knew all his shit, but he fucking knew it. Because he was an old dude. This and it was helpful. Yeah, this guy. Yeah, and and he could ride too. It wasn't yeah, like right. he was just oh, talking. Yeah, he rode trails too. By yeah, the way. because there was there was plenty of times not to talk shit on working in a bike shop. But there's plenty of times where, like, a few people show up and then everybody starts talking about grips and it turns into the never-ending conversation of whose favorite grip is what and it makes you want to, like, just eject yourself out of there. But, you know, Palumbo was able to, you know, cut through that shit, you know? He would would tell you what's up. He's like, no, get this. Get these guys. Palumbo would definitely, like, point you in the right direction. Yeah. So, shout out to that. And um, another thing is, uh, we talked about last time on the the trial run of yeah, the volume one was um, sticker packs and decals and stuff like that. Um, one thing I never heard of until Lawhead said it last time we were talking: um, offering sticker like a sticker pack with the frame, and allowing the person the choice of. Where the stickers go. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't know what company I saw that with. I've seen it more than once. That's but like they a super send awesome you the idea. frame and the sticker pack, and you can pick what you put on. And I'm sure other people did the same thing I did. I would get a new frame, and I might take three of the stickers off. Like, I might only want the head tube sticker. I might only want the C tube sticker. But, you know, why stick the product on there? I guess it's advertising, but why stick the product on there if somebody's going to take it off? Especially if you got like your logo embossed in every single fucking piece of it already. Yo, to begin with. so that was the other was thing a, I wanted to talk about. That was a good segue into you should have. Sorry. You should sorry. have. You know, features on your frame features. that if somebody strips the paint off, they still know it's your company's right. frame. Whether it's engraving on the head tube, engraving on the integrated seat post clamp, like something on the bottom bracket. The gussets. Anyway. You know, it could be on yeah, it could be on the gussets. It could be on the dropouts. You guys but... mentioned having the whole down tube engrave, which I never even thought of until you said it before. Yeah, I mean, I think if you can engrave like, a head tube or engrave the whole like wishbone, engrave the wishbone. Oh my god, yeah, dude. I, and I was gonna say, I've seen things where like the bridge between seat stays is something has unique, something yeah. unique, or. The bridge in between the chain stays is like the Donachi unique. frame that you were talking about. Right, the new the Donachi, Donachi frame. frame has like that big U in there that's like which is pretty square, neat. which is yeah. really awesome. Yeah, I know it costs a little bit more money, but in the grand scheme of things, the if fit, you have a right. way to brand that your was frame, on the Mac frame too, yeah. uh, fit on on the uh, frame we're currently looking at, it has a fit engraving or indentation Embossing. on the gusset on the down tube, and like that's just. It also you know, has my uh, new detail an engraving in here, but it covers yeah, the stickers. Yeah, I know. I've seen that. And uh, my Mac frame had um, the fit engraved on the head tube, yep. and it had it embossed on the um, actually fit logo on the the gusset. Yeah. And I always thought that was like super sick. I think that is like a very very key thing that companies should do. That gives like a. I don't know. It's just like personalization. Yeah, like personalization. you know it's that company's and frame. And like with the stickers, like I, I can always take a sticker off. But like yeah. that, 
whether I cover it up or not, it's always going to be there. Yeah. You know How many mean? people paint their frame within <clears throat> X amount of time from buying a frame right. and then any branding on that frame is gone. Right. You know, the stickers are gone. It's painted over. But if you do an engraving, you do an embossing, you do, you stamp something somewhere. Yeah. That BSD people are going to know. It's got every place where they could put indentation or ornamentation, they did. Yeah, but the stickers not? came on the frame already. Yeah. But, um... There's a lot of indents and stuff on it? Or, I mean, like... Or, uh, yeah, little markings everywhere on every little thing. Really? Yeah. I didn't Wishbone's got, like, BSD in it and everything. And and that's the one point I did... I know we're, like... We're basically at the very, very tail end of this. And I wanted to mention it. And I'm not trying to be pro or anti anything. But if, if the BSD frame existed as an American-made... FBM or or S and M product, I probably would have bought it that way instead. But it didn't. So yeah. what I was looking for existed as a BSD. I knew it was made overseas, and I was willing, you know, I was basically willing to gamble when I bought it because, like, yeah, it might not be American made, but it's the specs I kind of yeah. wanna. Might not have the warranty. Yeah, and, and I, I, I like re I went to the site, I reread the warranty, made sure that there was some kind of warranty. I know Ishan, like we like I don't want to like bad talk any frames. I know Ishan had a, had an issue and like, so I I, I think he got resolved. Yeah, I hope it got resolved. Because yeah. like another thing is, um, when Matt says like taking the risk, it's like without the warranties and stuff like that. With the thing we do as far as like, you know, putting a lot of trust like depending on your style of riding but like I mean you're with, trusting with your with Sean Kirk uh, yeah. the, the guy we're talking about he he's a pretty heavy rider he could you're putting a lot of faith into something you know yeah. you're putting a lot of faith into that like kind of holding you down if and if it gives up on you like it could be catastrophic yeah it's not just your wallet it's safety right like it's your well-being so and while um, it's one thing you don't want to get hurt either. and the thing is when i know when uh when he went to warranty the frame it's like kind of hard to get a hold of like yeah. certain like get like do certain warranty things yeah and that's the benefit of like if you and do buy american, made, american made yeah it's somebody's like, cell phone you're calling up somebody on their cell phone hey you know you want to do this right now instead of like worrying about like time restraints money yeah right money right. transactions <laughs> yeah but like no conversion yeah, rates dude, conversion yeah. from euros like, to fucking american dollar i mean i'm not trying to say like i'm, I'm saying you should support local but right. I think it's so badass that there's BMX all around the world. Because when I first got into BMX, I didn't know it existed anywhere else. Dude, I didn't know it existed past what I did. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then like, then you realize that there's other people around, and you get so excited because you're like, holy fuck. There's I'm a part all, of a group. There's all these people all around that have the same shared interests. I thought literally maybe me and Dude, that guy from friend. like Uganda or whatever the fuck he's from, you know what I mean? Doing all those insane things. That, yeah. Like... That's just an ode to, like, it doesn't matter what you're riding. It doesn't matter where you got it. It doesn't matter what you did. To, you know what I mean? Like, as long as you're riding and, like, you're trying to progress and, like, you can do anything you set your mind to on a BMX bike. It's just a matter of, like, trying it. it, it it's 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 turning life into a video game. Right. It's, like, 3D fun. Right. Always. With that said, I think we were... I think we we ran the gamut. I think we nailed we nailed everything. I think it was a good reshoot volume two. Um, oh my 
phone. I'm going to throw my phone across the Sorry. freaking office. Um, Sorry, I don't mean to stress you out. Yeah, we, we covered everything. It was a good, like, how-to on what geometry means what. Um, yeah. We, we, <laughs> uh, we kind of covered, like, a little bit of trails versus tranny versus hyper-modern, you know, what means what. Yeah, we're trying to give you help even if you're not into the same kind of riding we are. Like Yeah. Yeah, and I, I could be totally wrong on speaking on trails geometry or what trail riders look for, but I think I can speak for uh, what we're looking for. So, Lawhead, uh, what's how long do you have till you uh, till you're out? What's going on? Moving wise or frame wise? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I am gonna. So I'm moving. <laughs> we we did we did go over that. You you did make the decision on the Sealy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm buying the Sealy frame. The new. Uh, so right now I think they're so out of. Done. We're, we're talking we're about it. basically done. We're yeah. wrapping oh, up. Okay. It's the wrap-up show. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much decided concretely on the Sealy frame. Uh, I think the new colors drop the end of March, supposedly. But uh, right now, I think they're out of stock of everything. But as soon as the new sizes are... Or not new sizes, new colors are restocked, I'm going to pull the trigger on that, get brakes, be set up to... Not have to put my foot in my back wheel for the first time in like 15 if, years. If Jake Seeley listened to you to this podcast and knew that you wanted a certain color, what color would it be? Oh, if what you color could pick do any I... fucking color? Dude, my silver vein. So I, I I did my own powder coat and it's a silver vein. I think Colt did a gold vein and I think FBM does a blue vein. But the thing they don't realize is you have to clear coat over top. If you don't clear coat over top the vein, the raised part of the vein wears off and it looks really bad. When I did powder coating, I uh, I had a copper vein for a little while and where my ankles and my thighs rubbed on the frame, it rubbed the copper off and it was kind of like a black in the middle. And I figured out if I did a clear coat on top, it sealed everything up real nice. Now I never run any, like I never run the, uh, the Colt frame or the uh, I think Ty Morrow had a frame that was vain too but I'm just guessing I'm guessing they're probably not clear coated and that shit's going to rub off so if I was going to get anything I would pick a neutral color vein with a clear coat dude I think that's uh, sick to have a little personality those volume frames with the crazy paint jobs ooh yeah Um, what's up with them are those those look like a vinyl wrap almost no I think it's like a crazy it's like a splash yeah. Did you see the? Um, I don't know. Do you like, mean the drip or like the brush like... stroke? Because right, the the Rayford is kind of like a drip smear, and then the the Perry is that a different one? Perry? Not Billy Perry. Who's the other guy? Clemens. Clemens. No, this fuck. Disco Steel. The other GoPro kid in New York Go City. Program. Oh, Anthony Panza? Panza? That's cold. Is it it's Billy cold. Perry? Billy, Billy Perry, Perry yeah. Volume, yeah. I'm thinking of Pete Sawyer. It is Billy Perry. So, right, Sawyer. Billy Perry is the one that frames. he has the, the volume frame. We're going to cut this we're gonna, out. We're, we're, we're going to call this podcast 900 frames. Yeah, that. we're going to cut right. this out. <laughs> no, we're good. But I think the DAC frame is a better example of, like, that brushstroke patina look. Right. Where it's not a drip. Like, Sabrosa did a drip effect a while ago. Like, I don't know if they did, like, a blood the splatter. The home frame, right? Yeah, it was like a blood splatter on white or black, and then I think there was a blue and yellow, or black and yellow blood splatter. But uh, I just want a powder <coughs> coat that's going to hold up and going to be solid. Yeah, uh, 
just honorable mentions here is the the Tony Hamlin frame um, that Kink did. It was like black and silver with like these like brush strokes in it. I remember seeing like a prototype with the blue strokes, and it was like a phenomenal little paint job. Yeah, I think it's sick to go that little extra mile. Like, you don't have to offer just black and chrome and white in one color. Or blue. You know, like, Yeah, give us something neutral that's still subtle but interesting. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be crazy neon yellow or fucking pink. A subtle two-tone would probably be sick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Two-tone would be awesome. It doesn't have to be chrome and black. Yeah, dude. I'm not like... I think that's cool in it for its own right, but I, I don't like. I would do a different it. color yeah, scheme on that, like pink, black, and forest green. Is it's not... it's neat for its own right, but yeah, right. it's not my cup. Of I would do it if it was frame fork and bar. I think and sometimes then they got, I like that cool. one. I think uh, that's the one I knew. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one that I said looked like a vinyl wrap. Yeah, make that bigger. Can you zoom in? Yeah, that's cool. It's neat-ish, but as soon as you put stickers on it, I feel like it kind of doesn't look that good. Yeah, and t- stickers aren't going to stand out well against that. Yeah, background. you're not getting any photo continuity nah, with that I frame. I just painted my frame not to talk berry, shit. and I put some white stickers on it. That's a good white one. looks good, and then black looks even crazier because it's I like got a, uh, gas decals if you want some. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And speaking of which, I got them right there. Oh, I was going to ask for one so, of those on the yeah. way out. As we wrap this up, Lawhead, where can anybody find you if they want to uh, ask you about anything? So I only have one form of social media. It's M Lawhead at M Lawhead Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it's M Lawhead on Forgot. Instagram. Yeah, it's not even Instagram. that. I almost said my email. It's my Instagram. I will cut that out for you. Yeah, cut no that worry. out. I only have I Instagram you. M Lawhead. Charlotte, where can people reach out if you want to put your information out? Um, you can reach me. My first and last name. Give Go your ahead. cell phone number. Good luck spelling that. Um, Shiloh Standage underscore on Instagram. And then, like, just my name if you want to Venmo me any money. <laughs> but, How you spell it? Uh, S-H-I-L-O-S-T-A-N-I-E-C-H. Give them your address. Underscore <laughs> is my Instagram. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you made it this far, I really appreciate you doing that. Um, Let me know what you guys think. One thing we definitely missed out on, or one topic of the Framecast that we missed, was the heat treating process. Although it does seem like it's not as mainstream as it used to be, but there was frames that were offered as heat treated or regular. You know, there was heat treated frames were mad expensive back in the day. Um, If anybody out there knows why current BMX frames aren't throwing that term out there anymore let me know i would love to talk about it and also i just wanted to shout out demolition for the bulimia hub because when that hub or when that nut broke i remember reaching out to the warning department and i think it was joey cobbs or somebody at the time just sent me a new one made sure i was good to go and i rode that hub a little bit longer i think uh i think other things went I think that hub was way past its expiration date by the time I retired it. So I'm just making sure to point out that I'm not trying to talk shit on that part. Um, and I'm happy that companies do warranties at the end of the day. That's that's the biggest thing you could do for a fellow bike rider. Also wanted to give a shout out to Corey Jarman. We brought up the Colorado frame, but apparently none of us knew that the Colorado frame was Corey Jarman's signature frame. I brought up Corey Jarman later after we brought up the Colorado 
but we never mentioned him and the Colorado together, but that was his signature frame. So I apologize that uh, I didn't connect the dots earlier. Next week on the podcast, we're going to have Dave Raffa, Mr. Toothless Tuesday himself, Mr. Breaking Free Skate Park. He started his own podcast. He's taking the internet by storm. I met him uh, when I lived in Rochester, and we became pretty good friends. So it was it was nice to sit down with him and catch up a bunch. It's been a while. So looking forward to that next week on Different Spokes. See ya.